0: And we're back
1: i'm james this is the Grizz fan podcast
0: i'm luke i'm mike i'm brent
1: I'm Kyle. oh kyle's here oh wow and i'm james yeah you're you, yeah. You're james we know <laughs> are you ever going to take this serious again no i just want the Club. all right sounds good um james do you want to even talk about the game no, no. This this is now the USC fan podcast. Yeah, we've <laughs> moved on. Caleb Williams didn't even have a good game. and looked like the number one pick. Cam Uh that
0: was team tough to tackling that game.
2: God, Ugh. <laughs> feel like a We're ghost. Really just gonna talk about USC. <laughs> like a ghost from Grizz Games Pass. <laughs>
1: We're gonna we're gonna get into this,
2: yeah.
1: James. You don't have to hang out with us because it's gonna be a real downer pod. So let's 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 all talk about what the biggest news of the week is. Taylor Swift was at the Chiefs game.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys think that when Taylor's management team was sitting around, you know, at the conclusion of the Eras tour, and you know, like most of them were saying oh, her, her import, her cultural impact c- can't get any bigger. But then, like, there was, like, an intern in the back who was like, well, <laughs> you know, there is a kind of brand of dude who doesn't like Taylor Swift that watches a lot of NFL. And like, if we could engineer, like, the most handsome, charismatic, kind of dominant at-his-position player, is there anyone out there that could, like, we could orchestrate something i like I, part of me feels like she's craving enough to manufacture this they mm. walked out of
1: the locker room together this is completely manufactured they
3: were yeah. not holding hands
1: no this to is the
3: point, manufactured.
1: To point. She should this, be is, her this is hey let's get everybody talking and get some more attention And <laughs> good for them because this is the biggest thing that happened in sports this weekend
2: Luke, that that is the most beautifully cynical thing that I've ever heard of.
3: (laughs) I've totally bought in on your theory. (laughs) (laughs) We've seen too much of this stuff from Taylor Swift. Right. That's true.
1: James, um, do you think that uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are just a publicity stunt? Yeah. Yeah, he does too. Um, What do you want to talk about with us? Nothing worthwhile? No. All right. I know there's at least one question for you. Somebody wanted to know who is your favorite offensive and defensive player on the grids this year? Mm. Offensive, probably Junior Bergen or Keelan White. Okay. And then defensive. Braxton Hill. All right. Big Neck Braxton.
0: All right. Did not confirm next
1: size, by the way. That's rough. Um, Do you think that your favorite player should get the, ma- the ball more? How does Braxton Hill get the ball? No, we're talking about Junior Bergen.
0: Come on. Gets the ball more know. than Junior Bergen does. Use your thinker. I mean, Braxton Hill caught a great interception in the game. Good point. Tip drill.
1: No? All right. No. He said yeah. All
3: right. All right. Anything else for James? James, we need your picks for this week. Do you want me to get those? Are you ready?
0: Up you guys got them up, or do you want me to pull them up?
3: I've got them up, but if you've got them up, shoot.
0: Go for it, Luke. You got it.
3: All right, James. Um, what do you think about UC Davis going to Cal Poly?
1: UC Davis.
3: UC Davis. What do you think about Weber State going to Northern Colorado? Weber. Weber, Okay. Although Weber's offense looks bad, too.
1: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. What do you think about Northern Arizona going to Sac State? Oh,
1: Sac State. Northern Arizona has
3: looked good recently.
1: Uh, Great. They've looked great. Might be the most underrated team in the conference.
3: Yeah,
1: i yeah. still to say Sac State. They could <laughs> definitely be Division One guys. <laughs> yeah, throw like UMass at them or something. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> okay, it's
3: gonna be a really great pod. <laughs> <laughs> do we have Idaho going to Eastern Washington.
1: Idaho.
3: Mm. Yeah, that might be a home game for Idaho.
1: We'll see if they uh, travel. They
3: didn't even fill
1: the dome for a big matchup. Yeah. Yeah. We have 6,000 empty seats.
3: Portland State goes to MSU. MSU. And then we have the vaunted Bengals of Idaho State coming all the way to UM for our homecoming. Hmm. This
1: is the first homecoming where I've actually had to think.
3: While you're thinking, James, Mike, have you explained to James betting odds yet?
1: Uh, no, I was kind of it's thinking obvious. someday you and Coulter could fill in what Grandpa Tom hasn't uh, hasn't already.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Vegas might have a hard time setting this line this week.
1: <laughs> no, Vegas will set it Grizz plus 17 and completely ignore any any of the factors that are actually going yeah. into the game. Am I wrong?
3: Uh, no. It's good. I don't know what to do if they come out with Grizz plus 17. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I do. I, I, mean, I have some
1: ideas. No. Hey, Bubba, anything else you want to tell us?
0: James, we did have a question for you on eGrizz from Everett Grizz is wondering what is your favorite pizza topping?
1: Pepperoni.
0: All right, smart
3: man. Maybe, I missed, maybe okay. I missed it. Maybe I James. Who did you get in this in this Idaho State Grizz game?
1: See, <laughs> at the start of the year, it was the Grizz, but I don't know if I trust Bobby anymore. <laughs> what? I mean, you're ten. You're innocent. You've got no other negative thoughts. I feel like you have to go with the Grizz. I don't know. That's fair. Yeah. Here we go. I like it. Homecoming. When's the last time they lost a homecoming? I was there. It wasn't as long ago as we think. Like 1982.
0: No, 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 no. It might have been
1: Bobby's first year. (laughs) Yeah. We've we've lost homecoming games for sure.
3: Yeah. Okay, so you got the grizz pulling this out at home. Hey, but there's gonna be a parade next week. Yay. Are you gonna be in the parade, James?
1: Yes. All right, Most of you are. One of you might have an excuse.
3: Uh, I I signed up for the homecoming hustle, but I'm always looking for an excuse to not run. You can (laughs) hustle
1: your way down the street
3: in a Nugent Mayor shirt. Exactly. I'll walk it anyway. I'll walk the distance.
1: Perfect.
0: Perfect. Homecoming 2018, Montana lost to Portland State. Wow. That was a brutal game, too. That game was awful. Yeah.
1: Was it that 20? Oh, no, that was Sac State.
0: No, yeah, 22-20.
1: Yeah. Oh, it was 22-20? Wasn't that one where they kicked the, the really long field goal at the end to win? Yeah. Yeah, we've had
0: some bad homecoming games. Oh, rough.
1: All right. Thanks, Bubba. Mm-hmm. See you, James. See you, James. Yeah. All right. Um... where to start
0: well people are probably wondering why our sounds all weird tonight maybe
1: um well yeah that's because <laughs> you went and you went and got fake sick and tried to ditch out on the hardest podcast. yeah yeah <laughs> no I, I wasn't afraid of this part. but the rest of us the rest of us <laughs> are like, nope, we'll, we'll switch to zoom and get at you
0: yeah no came down uh positive test for covid for me so we had uh we had to pivot but uh, wouldn't miss this pod, uh, I mean, definitely not. Unless I was out cold. So that, yeah, that,
1: that false positive joke is gold. I really don't know why you don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's good. It's a good joke. It's lots of false positives in Grizz Nation right now. <laughs> Indeed. Hey, hey
3: Kyle, Kyle thanks for coming on because I know you have the heart to say things I can't. <laughs> I was pretty
2: fired up yesterday. Um, <laughs> you had some um, solid gold tweets, dude. This. So <laughs> let's it.
1: kind of let's, let's kind of start here. Um, losses in Bobby Houck's UM coaching career that are worse than this one.
0: So I, I was thinking about this because someone had asked us about this. Um, this this has to be right there. I think. I think for a lot of us, the 2018 Brawl of the Wild loss, I don't know if that was as bad because we, I think in that year, we were both not very good teams. But in terms of like the emotional toll of the loss, that one was way worse, like I think to everybody in Grizz Nation. <laughs> but in terms of a situation where they should have been favored and just should have won the game, this one's got to be right there. Three and O Grizz, top 15 ranking versus O and three NAU. The only other one I could really compare it to was the 2003 Division II loss to North Dakota State, but that was a very good. It was it's kind of like the fairest state of the time then, and we all know what NDSU went on to
2: become. So this could be the one. If, in might be the one that I'm going to say, but uh, for a lot of different reasons. But um, the playoff loss lost to Wofford. Like, mm-hmm. that one sticks out for me because, like, that, that Grizz team was just so good and you never – you just didn't think it was going to happen. Um, but at least it was a playoff loss, right? It, yeah. This is this is bad. This is bad in the way that, like, that loss in uh, nor- at Northern Colorado was for the Stitt teams. Like, that Stitt team wasn't very good, but it was like, all right, this is over. Yeah. You know? That's like, a really good comparison. how I feel about this. Like, I'm, I'm – I'm probably gonna swear a lot tonight. You're good. James is already at it with this show. Like, I mark all these episodes as explicit when we upload them, so it's all okay. good, buddy. Let it loose. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, well, I'm just like, I'm, I, it like, doesn't make sense to me. It's it's depressing as a fan. That 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 loss was just like uh, it was very deflating for for me as a fan.
3: Yeah. Do you think? Do you think this is a seminal moment, like where we knew? Like, if we look back on this era, we'll say that was the loss that we knew something was different. Or is there still more life ahead for this team and maybe this coaching staff?
1: Well, there could be life ahead for sure. But this loss to me confirms something I think we've all been afraid of for most of the last year. And that's, I mean, it feels like we're just playing out the string a little bit here. Um, you know, and this coaching staff doesn't have a contract beyond January, which, you know, I think I said it in the first pod we did, but if Bobby had wanted a contract extension during the off season, he, he would have got one.
0: I mean, the rumor was, is he had one and he turned it down. So that's rumor,
1: rumor. I mean, you know, I know somebody asked us about this in the questions, but I mean, it's reasonable to, to ask, like it, are they done after this year by choice? And is that, you know, impacting anything. Yeah.
2: I mean, if if it is, like, it's completely legacy tarnishing. Like, it tarnishes his previous legacy, and it, like, I don't know, it raises a lot of questions for me. If, like, that's the case, I don't want to say that is, because that's a huge accusation to just say he quit, and it's four games into the season. Like, that's a massive accusation to make. For me, the, that loss just confirmed, like you said, Mike, all of these concerns that I've had, uh, that I've really built up since like the Weber game of last year.
1: For the record, I don't think he's quit. Like I don't, I don't
2: yeah, <laughs> I don't either. I just think that there's just a whole lot of deficiencies, and they haven't done anything to address it. And his leadership is completely uh, well. It's
1: different. It's just different than absolute. the expectation he set the first time around, right? Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. What well, he seems too young. And too competitive to be done coaching. Like, I can't I imagine that. that guy retired. I don't think
1: he'd be done with football. I just think that, you know, he's he's a guy in his 50s with a tremendous amount of coaching experience and a good overall you know, coaching record. Yeah. And there's probably a lot of fun experiences he can go out and have, you know. Assistant special teams coach at a big, big program. Or, you know, I mean, like there's probably things he could do that would be awesome football experiences. And who knows? I mean, he could be back here next year with a a big contract and this could all be a bunch of nonsense. But, you know, everything you hear in the coaching world, even when it comes to recruiting and the whole idea behind like the university system convincing the the Board of Regents to let them do multi-year coaching contracts was for stability. So it is just it is very odd to me that. This coach who has had multi-year contracts
3: for a long time doesn't have one. Yeah, to me, he just like I circ- circling back, he just seems too competitive to give up. I don't think he's given up. No, but I don't think what, he's given up either. But if that's if, if we're correct about that, and I'm pretty sure I am, like, then my sense is like what's going on at has the coaching staff then lost their ability to, to discern like what players we need to win at this level? Right. Part of me thinks the levels changed and like what used to be acceptable is no longer acceptable. And he's maybe his discernment is like, I'm recruiting for what was good in 2007, not was good in 2024.
2: But the, like the alternative to him, like, Quitting is almost scarier to me. It's like six years in, and you guys are just treading water. I mean, and, and maybe like gasping for air, honestly, because like where you were. I mean, when they beat Weber two years ago, right? Remember they? Remember when they crushed? the kicked the shit. Yeah, out of Weber? in the regular season. Yeah, I was like, holy crap! They did it. He did it. He rebuilt the program. Like they're mm-hmm. back. He did it, and now I'm like. The complete one hundred percent opposite of that, like, like what what are all of the, what are all of the, the things that led to this point? How are, how is it so? How does it feel so distant from from that game? Does it does it seem like,
0: like the last the the previous stint under Hauk, it was mostly a sign and develop team. And everyone has recognized that especially at this level, anymore like the transfer portal, you now build your team more through that than through recruits. But is he is he trying to still work in a system that needs kids to be two, three, four years in for full buy-in and trying to do it with guys that showed up in the spring that you need to
2: be to excel at like some of your top positions? I don't know. I just I just wonder if that like is the case at the FCS. Like yeah. I think it's certainly the case at the FBS where you can build your team through the transfer portal. But the FCS it almost seems like you are you're still going to have transfers coming in, but you're going to lose a lot of guys almost than you're going to gain. And like you better still be able to develop talent because you need to rely on your high school recruiting also. And I just don't see development happening at any any of the key positions on offense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just don't feel like, like, right. We were told the offensive line was supposed to be so good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, Andrew Schmidt had a great tweet and it was something that I was thinking about in the off season, just because these guys are a year older, doesn't mean they're better. Like if the development isn't there, what they're just getting better because they've gone through reps. What if their reps are shit? Like what if you're repetitively doing the wrong thing? But like, so
0: I mean, just, Hunter McGinnis first team all conference. Uh, AJ Forbes third team. Chris Walker is on like senior bowl watch list. I mean, is that just like? And I don't know the coaching world, and I don't. I'm not expecting you to either. But is that just bullshit? Like, is this just coach hype? That like, oh hey, put this guy here, vote this guy there. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to make excuses because I mean, it feels like other people have recognized some of our O linemen. And like everyone else, like they have vastly underperformed. There has not been a single game where it's like, oh yeah, this that line how's it going?" And it's the most but
1: underperforming I, unit of the team. And I yeah, said it from one from game one and people kind of questioned it in our comments, but not, you can't develop a QB if you don't have a line
2: yeah and from what I've seen, yeah, like I don't know what merit those accolades had like you yeah. individually, yeah. maybe they are talented maybe that is there, but like, something is happening throughout the week where that one unit that is supposed to work as one is not doing it,
3: like, is is awful. I was yeah. thinking about individual development, and I'm, like, I'm trying to come up with counterfactuals, and I'm thinking, like, man, Keelan White, I feel, is like, developed, he's matured in his role as a receiver at UM, like, is this but is that just an individual who's outstanding and athletic uh, getting bigger and faster? And and is it a different comparison than when you look at a whole cohesive group that has to schematically be on the same rhythm and drumbeat as an offensive line? Like it's probably an asymmetrical comparison, (laughs) but I I look at Keelan white. I'm like, he's gotten a lot better since he was a freshman, Mm -hmm. but
2: what does that mean? I don't know. Like, like the, we go back to those positions, right? Like wide receivers great. Like it awesome if we can uh develop talent there. But if we don't know how to develop a quarterback, which apparently in 14 years of him being here, we've like done twice. And yeah, our offensive line, Germer used to develop used to pump out all Americans. Draft not draft picks, Me. but camp invites, NFL camp invites. Yeah. yeah. He's been here since 2015 and like there, I mean, there's an offensive lineman, certainly there was one in the NFL, but it's like you compare those lines and like maybe things have changed schematically, but like they do not resemble each other in any way in their ability to dominate an opponent and wear an opponent out throughout the game. It almost like seems like the exact opposite happens.
0: Yeah. We talked about this We talked about this last week with the first state game where, you know, and the Grizz had the seven-point the seven lead in the fourth quarter and got the ball back, and uh, it was a three and out. Right. It was like two run plays that went nowhere and then a pass play that didn't, you know, connect. And we had to punt away and hang on and pray once again. Mm-hmm. And that that is a moment where previous tenure Hawk team, Fair State would not get that ball back. Right. That's game over. Six minutes to go. Our ball, fourth quarter. We've probably we've probably run the ball 30, 40 times already. That's that's gonna be four or five yards of carry and game mm-hmm. over. We're either gonna be in the end zone or we're gonna be kneeling it out.
3: Right. Well, yeah. what's interesting is nothing has seemed to change <laughs> with the P's appointment at OC, right? Like I thought maybe we would see something a little different, but. Could... This is the
2: question, like, why? Yeah. Why do we look so much like last year when we were told we would not? It like, doesn't make any sense. I was thinking about it today. That first that first uh, series of the season, I was so excited. I was like, holy shit, they really changed the offense. Like they're yeah. actually going to do stuff. Dude, that's the biggest fool's gold that I've experienced in Grizz football <laughs> since spit beat North Dakota State. Cuz he's <laughs> <laughs> just different. Like it's just gone. It's gone. Like we haven't we haven't seen them really do that since since then.
1: The thing that amazes me is it you know, everything that felt like it was costing last year is still there even with a different play caller and you know, game plan or whatever. And it just it boggles my mind. And again, there's a, so many people who have played this game farther than I have, who, who are smarter than I have. But for multiple years now, it just seems like we cannot design an offense to avoid our weaknesses and play into any of our strengths. Mm-hmm. And it's like with a sophomore QB and potentially a senior QB who's not the greatest passer behind an O-line that Clearly, is as good as we thought. Like, wh- where are the quick slant routes? Where are the quick, short, like, just three steps Brains. and booms? You know, like, yeah. it. so many of the things that where Vidlock was running for his life yesterday were plays that were taking way too long to develop for what we've shown we are so far.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It just creates so many questions for me. Like, do they not trust the offensive line? So they do this. Why, if that's the case, why don't they trust the offensive line? You've been here six years. What, like, I just keep going back to that. There's so many things that I can throw a question out, and like, if I threw it out to the program, they could try to defend it. But then it's like, okay, um, you don't trust your offensive line. Why? Okay, you don't think your quarterback is ready yet. Why? You don't think your quarterback is ready yet. So, why don't you design an offense around him that makes it a little easier for him to do things like? Like, there's all these things that no matter what they were to respond, there are, like, it creates more questions of just, like, what the fuck are you guys doing from an organizational level in your game planning throughout the week and in your program planning? Like, I'm just, lo- I'm just honestly just lost, and maybe I've gone off the deep end. But oh. Oh.
0: Well, I would, I would contest, sorry, Luke, uh, I would just quickly say that I, I wonder if, I think they do trust the O-line, because... Wouldn't in a system, and maybe it's it it seems to be falsely placed right now, because in a system where you don't trust your O line, aren't you more screen screens, quick passes, like a lot more like short, quick, rapid happening things, and that's like not a part of this offense at all right
2: now. You would, yeah, you would think so.
0: But then you're four games in and you've had no proof that this offensive line can keep the QB clean, uh, or run block consistently throughout a game. So I don't know what the hell you do.
3: Right. Yeah. Uh, goes twenty-three of thirty-seven, which is sixty-two percent, right? But I mean, that's a little bit of a mirage because we go two of twelve on third down. So, like a lot of the, a lot of the misses are (laughs) when they really count. But he eats seven sacks.
1: But those are, I think, those are only because there, there's a book on what to do against us on third down. And we get into so many third and long yarded situations and then teams just come at us because they know that our, our O-line is struggling to block and whatever call, play we call is going to take too long to develop. Yeah. yeah. Like, where is the,
2: the like the, where's the ability to like set up a uh, a matchup that you can take advantage of? Like these receivers that they have, They're so, like, multi-talented. Like, why doesn't Bergen ever come out of the backfield? Why don't we ever see them, like, well, I I just don't see them very often seem to put guys in position to take advantage of specific matchups and just eat that matchup all game long. Just exploit weaknesses in your team, in in the opposing team. Like, I just feel like we haven't seen that this entire time that this coaching staff has been here.
3: It almost seems like they have a playbook and there's like a random number generator that calls the plays. Instead of calling like the plays within a thematic, like we're gonna set their defense up, you know, we found a weakness in in what we're seeing. It's just like, oh, now it's time for this play, now it's time for that play. Uh that's kind of what it feels like. <laughs> like they're just smashing the the B button in like after randomly picking a formation or something.
2: Yeah, I I think I said yesterday I was just trying to imagine like Bobby and the offensive staff like playing Madden and not not and like not being able to score and being like why is this offense thing so hard? And it's like it's not um, like, like rookie mode. I mean, it's hard, but it's not as hard as you're making it out
3: to Guys. Did did Eli Gill, I was I was watching the, the I wonder if he got hurt like the tap room in Shelby, so I couldn't really hear the audio very well. But he came Um, back in. Did he get hurt? Because he only had four rushing attempts. I mean, Xavier
0: was... Xavier had his better game of the year, his best game of the year. He could. So, I don't know if this was a hot hand thing. His 24-yard touchdown run was very nice. He had a couple other pretty decent little runs. So, I don't know if it was a hot hand thing or what.
1: You know... I know that they like to say it for QBs. And if you've got two, you don't have none. You don't have any. I, one of the things that st- stood out to me at the first part of the game that I watched, and then we went to a wedding that, thank God, was a lot better than the game. Yeah. Um, we rotate the running backs too much. Like,
0: did last year too.
1: It, it, like, nobody can get into any sort of rhythm. And like, I get that you don't want to overuse anyone. And I get that football has a one, two punch thing, but it's like, one series, it's Gilman. The next series, it's Harris. The next series, it's Osmo. And it doesn't seem to take into account the like situation or where they are on the field. And then the play calling doesn't seem to be necessarily specific to any one set of skills. It just, I, I don't understand it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the most frustrating thing is I'm just at a complete, like at a, uh, just at a complete loss of understanding of what is going on. At every at every level of their program, like from their planning to their game planning to their in-game substitution to the just everything, I'm just like, what are you guys doing? So
0: I got what? a text. We might we might have Andrew Schmidt join us, but I think it'd be an interesting question to ask him. Is because in 2008, when he played on the Grizz, up until Chase Reynolds like really got going, um, we rotated him. Chase and we had a third guy. I can't remember who it was. Was it Brady Green?
1: Oh, I was Brady Green. George Brooks Fletcher. But...
0: Was it? Yeah. It was either Brady or TBF? It's so, a guy from. Blue. Uh Bradshaw, Bradford,
1: Bradshaw. Bradford.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Reggie. Yeah. So we we rotated guys. Um. But again, it's hard to compare O lines because those O lines, you know, seven, eight, nine were phenomenal.
3: Have you, guys, best we've ever had. have you guys ever looked at like what running backs used to do in the like the eighties? Um, it's obviously not ideal, but if you just search what like Herschel Walker did for rushing attempts in college,
0: oh my god, he went Heisman winner Herschel Walker, 385, 3, 3,
3: 335 for like attempts, like carries. Like think about over eleven games, how many carries that is.
2: Like, Barry Sanders, his Heisman year, he averaged 31 carries a game.
3: Yeah, yeah. obviously. You'd get
2: arrested. You'd get arrested now if you ran a running back 31 times.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You were abusing that young man. (laughs) But we could run a guy 20 attempts, you would think, right? Like, the training's gotten better. The athletic training staff is certainly more sophisticated. It seems like we could manage that. I just,
2: I just think that they're like, this is my big question is, is this like, we thought we were going to see a different offense, right? But it seems like we see the exact same offense. It seems like we don't try to get our superstars, the ball, our playmakers, the ball really that hard. Um, All the questions that we had last year, we still have this year, right? But we changed (laughs) the OC. So did we change the OC or is the OC actually the HC? And he's just like, we're not going to do certain things. Cause I don't think offense is that important. We're not going to, we're not going to do like creative stuff on offense because that sort of shit just doesn't, doesn't win games. He doesn't think it wins games because he's an antique.
3: It's probable. And then, you know, if, if that's the case and the thesis is we have this ferocious defense, that's going to hold squads to like under 21 points a game. And, you know, like, we don't. That just, just turned out not to be true this year. I mean, with
1: the- we haven't even we haven't even started talking about the defense and the scheme, and it, it, it it's so clear that teams have figured out when they need yards how to get them. We're so bad on third and long right now.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh man. The, the thing about Zoom is that we get drop ins.
3: Uh, hey. <laughs> everybody's
1: favorite backup running back Andrew like, Schmidt has joined the uh, in-
3: the wake here. <laughs> Good to be just, here. Just like a it's, party. You want to walk in like 20 minutes late, you know? <laughs> I, I have a ham somewhere over here that I
4: had during softball. Maybe I'll break that out. It's deserved after this weekend. Yeah. Oh, cheers,
0: Andrew. Cheers. Cheers. Uh,
1: so Andrew, um, you were really quiet on Twitter this weekend, so we don't really know your thoughts. You know, that that picked
4: up a lot of traction, didn't it? <laughs> like uh I, I <laughs> I mean, I was pretty mad after the game, I think, understandably so, but I think a lot of Grizz fans are mad right now, and justifiably so. I think it's not great. Like, this is, as I said on there, like, this is right up there with 2016, nor- losing to Northern Colorado. Like, I, I mean, I don't know this feeling. I've never lost to NAU when I played. Um, oh, humble like, I never lost to a bunch of teams in the big sky, and it seems to be common now. So, I mean, I was pretty blunt about it, and I think Grizz fans probably should be blunt. It's it's not acceptable, but it's become commonplace for a decade. A decade.
2: But does it surprise you, given the guy that you know? Yeah. Like, well, this is the coach that it. you know, and, like, this is – like, does does it absolutely just shock you that this is the level that this program is at six years under his guidance? We're talking Bobby. Uh
4: yeah, it, it does surprise me. Um, and I'll tell you uh why. I got a comment back that was uh we need less white guys from Montana. Yeah, right. I saw that. I saw that one. And and I was I was like, that's interesting because the Bobcats seem to be doing just fine. And they have tons of guys from like Roundup and Sunburst, and, Sunburst and like a lot about
0: Sunburst. Last yeah. Night. I mean, tons of
4: guys, Uh, they're doing just fine. It just seems that the guys that we have are just not like, I'm sorry. I, like I usually defend players pretty strongly, but the the players just are not that good. I mean, they just plainly not. So that we're in that in that situation now. And it it, it does surprise me with Bobby because Bobby would always get those guys. Like our teams are always built around those guys. And it seems like those guys still exist. They just play for the Bobcats.
2: Now it's like an easy criticism to make, to be like, maybe he's just not made for this like type of player. Like what, what sort of like people have becomes like, is that possible that like the, things have just passed him by? That That's a good question, Kyle.
4: I, uh, <laughs> um, um, I, I don't know. I'm never going to publicly, like I'm, I'm a Bobby guy. I always will be a Bobby guy, but um, look, I don't know how things are run in that program. I'm not there. Um, I know how things were done when I was there. And it's of my opinion that you can't treat high school kids coming out or college kids that have a transfer portal, like indentured servants anymore. You, you can't like they are going to leave or they're going to go find some place that treats them better and mm. you certainly can't compete with the people who are left over who do want to be treated like indentured servants or it's their only opportunity mm. like it's you're you're not going to be good enough and i don't know how they treat players there currently I, I have no idea i just know how we were treated i don't know how players are treated at other programs right but i think in the time of nil and transfer portal i think it you have need to have more kid gloves than you did before and be you know before you were kind of treated (laughs) treated like shit mostly you know like uh routinely um getting in trouble going up to the m like uh you know you're just kind of beat down and then built back up and i don't even know if you can do that anymore i don't know what the bobcats do you know i don't know what north dakota state south dakota state do but i can tell you that they have Dudes, and we don't.
3: Would you have lost guys from your team if the current transfer portal rules were the same? Like contributors. Yes, 100%. Some of those guys would have walked if they could have. 100%. Yeah, definitely. Well, (laughs) and it
4: it wouldn't even be walking. Like those guys would have had opportunities elsewhere. A, a, A lot of them would have. Like, and this actually, I wanted to ask you guys because this was a, something I was thinking about today. Out of this current Grizz team, out of that this roster, is there anyone on this team that would have started at any position in any of Bobby's other previous teams? And a step further, is there any player from the second run that Bobby's had that would have started for any of his other teams in his previous round. I can think of Toure. Yeah.
2: Three names Touré, on this team. Who
1: wasn't a... Stitt
2: how Kurt. recruit, right. smart Smarter. <laughs> <St-ray.
1: laughs>
2: I think the names that come to my mind are Governor, Cale Edwards, and Bergen. I think those are the only three guys that would have a shot. From,
0: from this team.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, Corey maybe. Maybe. was mean, a good D.N. Murphy was a good D.N. Yeah.
4: Like... You know, like, uh, who was it? Nitro DeLui was a good DN. Like, <laughs> uh, like we had tons of guys. C.J. Pitcher, <laughs> you know, like, uh, we, we had tons of guys that were good at that spot. So, I don't know. May- maybe. Um, but that, I think, right there is a question I have been pondering, like, kind of all day. And mm-hmm. I don't think there are many. And I think
0: that's the problem. See, I would have bet 05 and 06 would like to have Dalton Snead at quarterback. We did. His name was Jason Washington. <laughs> 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 <Oof>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh Yeah, no, I mean. Uh, yeah, I've, Justin Ford would have started on a few teams, I think, but not a lot of them. Not over Tremaine and not over no. Jimmy. Yeah, no. definitely
1: not. What about, like, Dante Olson or –
4: I mean, I over. I mean, those linebackers that we had were all like dudes. Like they they, had, they they rotated a lot. Like
0: yeah,
1: they know, had like guess, six of them. Yeah, yeah.
0: like from T- Tyler Joyce I mean, she, to Dante
1: Olsen won the buck. I mean, like that's. But I mean, the that, fact that we even like we're we are finding a few guys to try and argue about
4: proof. Yeah, that. I mean, I mean, and those guys like. Tyler Corwin was a guy under the radar guy that was solid, like just a solid dude, Kyle Ryan and yeah. uh, Alex Hawthorne and uh, Mookie Foreman and yeah. like mm-hmm. all of those guys were, were solid. Sure. Tacklers did the, what they were supposed to do. Like, you know, I I can't think of many. I understand he won the buck, you know, like, but I think that the talent of those teams was just overwhelming, which is why we are so good. I mean, I think the current talent level of the Grizz football is like a bunch of guys like me starting. Mm-hmm. Like you did not want me starting for you. Okay. And this current Grizz team is just like a bunch of schmittaculars out there. <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're just not like I'm sorry. It's like I don't mean to to like put the kids down, but like
0: it's bad. It's it's bad football. Andrew, before you, before you hopped on, we were talking about kind of two things, development of players on the roster, like guys that, and it was something I was going to hop in, but we hadn't really touched on it yet, but you're, I mean, you're kind of floating in there with this too, but like, it's fascinating because it, like, it doesn't feel like guys are getting dramatically better over their career here right now. Um, They either come in and are pretty good and kind of continue on a plane, Or they just kind of hold, you know, or 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 they just don't. And then the other thing we were talking about as well too was rotation at running back. And you rotated like we rotated running back, what for three, four games in two thousand eight, or up until the Eastern Mm -hmm. game, right? Um, it seemed like back then.
4: Well, I got hurt, um, and then like so that was the Cal Poly game. Um, Chase actually started that game, and then I had that great game, and then the next game I started, I got hurt. Um, and then it was him and Thomas Brooks Fletcher mm. rotating. And then I came back for the Weber game in that monsoon um, and we lost. And then Eastern was the next game. Uh, so, and we rotated quite a bit uh, up until then. And it's <laughs> actually a uh, segue. Um, Mick Delaney was our running backs coach at the time. And, we were playing and they had two defensive ends at Eastern and one was Greg peach who ended up winning the buck. Uh, And the other one Mm -hmm. I forget is now a coach. I think he coaches at Sac state or uh, he was a Samoan guy who we all thought was better. Mm -hmm. And we were all like keying on him. Um, And we had to go and like cut him on six and eight protection, which was like rollouts. And Thomas Brooks Fletcher was rotating in on, (laughs) on, uh, uh, like the first half and he kept getting like sidestepped by Greg peach, which is, you know, fair. It happens. Um, and he comes in the locker room at halftime and McDelaney's Delaney's like going over adjustments and stuff. And Thomas made the mistake of saying, coach, I just can't cut that guy. And Delaney like looked at him and was like, you bet you, your ass you can't cut that guy because you're not fucking playing again. <laughs> and then, oh, no. Just, like, because he told him that he couldn't do it, he's like, well, that's your chance gone. So, like, Thomas didn't really rotate in after that, which is, you know, he was a great player. But, yeah, we rotated. Um, uh, and then until Chase started getting the ball 50 times a game and not being stopped, he kind of just, Bobby went with the hot hand all the way to the championship game. So um, in regards to what they're currently doing, I I mean, I don't know what the right answer is there. I mean, usually Bobby goes with whoever's getting production, you know, like if you got, if you're rolling, keep going with it until it stops. Right. And then the next game, like if it, same thing. Um, I just think it's kind of hard when your O-line is a sieve. Like they can't get any push on anyone. They're getting pushed into the backfield routinely. Plays are getting blown up. Like I don't know what running back you would rotate in there. Adrian Peterson couldn't get r- yards in, under that circumstance.
1: Have you been surprised at how no push slash pushback the O line's getting? Yes.
4: Yeah. I mean, wasn't this supposed to be their mm-hmm. their strength? Yeah. They've been they've been here forever. Yeah. Like in like it, it's maddening.
1: It seems like somehow the offensive line performance is worse than last year with the same guys.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And you're getting you're letting NAU just there is that big uh I'm assuming Samoan guy uh that was just pushing them back all day yeah. uh, and just blowing stuff up. And it was just like it 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 surprises me a lot. And usually there's supposed to be some progression and uh continuity there that you know what another guy's gonna do and then it's just not it's not good O line play and it's blowing everything up and then you have to go out and ask your quarterback to make throws that he's not capable of making and he you mm-hmm. know it's just it just cascades. It's it's not good.
3: Do you think it's possible some of the preseason accolades uh the squad got we're just like well we can't give the Grizz team zero preseason awards <laughs> you, like is I, that, is I
4: that mean real? Kyle like you probably know this like the coaches nominate who they want their guys to be basically and then they get put up in a nomination and then they get voted on by the coaches and they get like you know uh, I, I don't put too much stock in that. I mean, one year, Bobby nominated Dan Carter to be All-American candidate. And he, like, he spot-filled, like, six games his junior year. And then, like, he was an All-American candidate and Dow wasn't because <laughs> Bobby wanted to piss off Dow to make him, like, play better, apparently. they it just it's, made it's Dow that. furious. This is a right? once
1: to the lifetime award. Like, yeah. You- <laughs> well,
4: All-American candidate to start the year. Actually, Fritz... Fritz texted me a picture of, from the, like the media guide and, he get, <laughs> and he's like, do you remember this? And I was like, man, yeah. Dan Carter didn't even play that year because he got <laughs> medically retired like in camp. So yeah, the, the whole, Hey, you got a preseason accolade. I don't, you know, I don't put too much stock in, but I mean, I'm sure those other coaches are looking around like the grizzle line, like, those guys we've played against those guys we have tape on those guys they are not good mm. interesting now
1: Kyle. what um what dangerous things do you and andrew want to talk about that the three of us are too afraid to say on the pod okay <laughs> hey, here's
2: here's the thing here's the here's the thing that i that i texted you guys last night and i want to read some of these actually some of the quotes, some of the quotes that he said in the media yesterday he said we're not even close to where we were a year ago We're just not as good. We're not as good as we were a year ago at this time. Then concerning the game yesterday, we didn't cover the tight end in three different man coverages. There's nothing complex about it. We had some zone plays where we just busted. Zone game, simple down the presser concepts where we ran the wrong route. Last one, I was very disappointed that we made mistakes and busts on things that are first day fundamental things. Things that we did the first day of spring practice. I'm sure they did it all summer on their own and didn't bust it once. We had quite a bit of that. If I was an AD, that was a that's a lame kiff tarmac situation for me. Huh. I would have fired him, and that might be extreme. But like, given given where this program is, like over the last twelve games, I laid it out on Twitter yesterday, where they are of the last twelve games compared to where they were like two years ago. It just seems like it's going in the complete wrong direction.
4: Yeah, and you know. I look back at it that COVID year, the year that was the year, right? Like that was the year that he had everything lined up and yeah. it was like, I, we are good to go. We've got Toure, we've got a, a Kim, we've got everything set up. we got a quarterback, we've got an O-line, we got a defense. Um, and then the season gets canceled and then, and then yeah. Toure leaves. Right. And then after that, it seems like the progression obviously stopped. It fell off a, fucking cliff uh you know like i I don't know what happened with bringing in players but do me a favor like watch a south dakota state game or watch a north dakota state game and just look at the size of their players they make montana look like a jv squad they they do. And I've had this conversation with Coulter before. He said that one of the most impressive things was watching the North Dakota State during their run, watching their backups warm up, because their backups could have been champions as well, because they're all bigger than everyone else. We are not getting any of those guys anymore. And that's the problem. Like, I mean, I again, this is a player personnel issue. And you can run whatever scheme you want. You can put whatever OC you want. But the the talent, I'm sad to say, is just not
2: there. And if it's there, it wasn't developed well. So that's where we're at. Right. That's what I keep going back to is like, are these guys not talented? Or is like the development not there? And they're not being put in positions to succeed. Like, are they not doing things? offensively that takes advantage of the talent that they have in skill positions. Are they on defense? Is, is this, does this scheme actually take advantage of the talents of like some of their players or what their players would excel at? Like, I really wonder about those things. I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know X knows well enough to say yes or no, but I get the feeling that for me, it's no.
4: Well, I I think Pease is a, is a good OC. Okay. I I think that he's had success with a bunch of guys. Right. And one of those things is when he was at Boise, uh, Doug Martin came in as a linebacker. Right. And he played like both ways initially until everyone's like, dude, we got to put this guy's a stud. You got to put him on offense. And they just kind of lucked into Doug Martin being like a pro bowl running back that at, at Boise state. Right. But then that year, when they had Kellen Moore and all those receivers and stuff, they would just feed him the ball constantly in different ways, screens, you know, yeah. draws, runs, whatever, just get him the ball, get him the ball. I think that that's probably what he wants to do with our running backs, but it's hard when your run plays are getting blown up and you're in second and 12 every
2: yeah. series. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's something he- that Bobby has said, like in the last two weeks, like, There are things that we wanted to do that we can't do because we keep getting put in situations where we're behind the chains and we can't, we can't go with the game plan that we had. I mean, he's
0: pointed out that they've had their Grizz attack, their scripted plays. They don't even get through it through halftime. Yeah. Uh,
2: Well,
4: I think the amount of scripted plays depends on the coach, you know? Um, Like when we played, we had our first, I think 12 or so and depending on the drive, it was, it was scripted. Um, I don't know if you, you guys follow stats of war Parker on, on Twitter. Uh, he always, uh, he's great, but he always posts that meme, uh, from, uh, I think American psycho where it's, uh, he changes it to, it says, Whoa, those, those drives were nice. Now let's see the unscripted drives. Yeah. Right. Once you, once you get out of those unscripted drives, you can tell whether or not people are coaching and whether players can play. And I think it's we have the results, right? At least as far as it
2: goes for the Montana Grizzlies. Yeah. And it, it still, if those guys, I think I've said this probably like three times on this podcast already, but I'm going to keep going back to it. If those guys aren't there on the offensive line, it's six years. Why aren't they there? Like what I mean, that if that's not an indictment of a coaching staff and building a program, I don't know like what is. Like, why haven't you been able to get those guys with all the resources you have around you, with like living as a college kid in this town? Like why 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 can't why can't you get those guys here? That I don't I don't know.
4: I don't I don't have the answer for that. I think that comes down to recruiting and a lot of other things. But um, you know the my issue here, right? And not to like just pound on these kids phrasing. Um is that like other schools have this, like Bozeman has this. Like and they were all like freshmen and sophomores last year. Yeah. Like how do how do they have freshmen and sophomores that can run because they, they can't throw? They they have a bad throwing offense and they run everything off their run game and you can win in fcs with that you do not need a guy a dave dickinson to win that helps okay but you don't need it all of these teams georgia southern north dakota state app state south dakota state they run the ball right and so the bobcats can be very successful doing what they do they were able to just Find guys and develop them and kick the ever living shit out of most people.
2: Like I didn't see the Weber game, but like forty to nothing. They ran for like seven yards of carry,
4: like, and you, you know they're gonna run it. <laughs> they don't even have their starter quarterback yet. Like, and I I don't know where you go from here, really, because it I don't know why that hasn't been replicated. Like if if I were looking. In the spring and i saw all right you know i'm looking at the quarterbacks like we, we're gonna have to run the ball like we this we yeah. can't do like complicated mesh pa- uh, uh passing concepts and stuff like that like we just can't it's not gonna work and then when mcdowell comes in i'd be like
2: well fuck it let's just run wildcat the entire time like that's what the bobcats do and, and build that, like, the cats what the cats do uh, I saw this stat on uh, Twitter. A friend of mine sent this. Tom Stuber uh, tweeted it. A list of the top five uh, Big Sky rushers by average yards per rush. Minimum 150 yards rushing. The Cats have the number one guy, the number two guy, the number three guy, and the number five guy. And all of those guys average over seven yards per carry. Wild. One of them that, averaged 11.
4: It's, like, yeah. <laughs> and they lost their best running back to cow right. Right. <laughs> you know like and, and that's the thing like I, I i i've had conversations with like you guys or coulter and you know i remember coulter saying that big farm kids like either there's not a ton of them anymore and again was- like like they exist they clearly exist because they play for north dakota state and south dakota state and the bobcats like that <laughs> yeah. it, it exists and you're not getting them and why you're not getting them. I don't know. I, I feel like maybe the Bobcats were, and I made this comment when Chote first got started, like they were built to beat the Grizz's ass running the ball and like nothing else. Right. That's like all they cared about. Like we're just going to run the ball down the Grizz's throat and like, fuck it. We might win games. We might not. And then they just kept building on that. And then they kept saying to offensive linemen Hey, we're going to run for 400 yards a game. Like come to come to Bozeman. Uh and they got more and more guys and now they're building and building and building. And what have we done in that same time frame? Like we got our asses kicked by uh, James Madison and uh North Dakota State and Northern, Bobcat, Arizona. Northern Arizona and the Bobcats <laughs> like a bunch of times like I, we have great facilities great sac state yeah it's it's just not good it's just the the talent's not there the scheme can be whatever it is it's just we're the it's not there
2: yeah yeah and i don't think like their their run design like i was saying this to you mike and Brent yesterday like i don't think their run design is bad like i think they run a lot of the same stuff that a lot of teams are successful with like they run a lot of counter that usc runs uh they run a lot of like inside zone and stretch and like teams are successful with that but like we clearly aren't what do we have 31 rushing yards yesterday 60 wow. a week before
0: they, they they adjusted it from 31 to 18. Oh, oh, my
3: God. They, they, that's after they, they subtract the, the sack seven seven. yardage yeah yeah. It was yeah. bad, but still not good enough. I was, this is,
2: this maybe isn't a fair comparison, but I was, when I was watching the USC game yesterday, I was looking up their running backs, uh, yards per carry, and I looked at like uh, their negative plays. I think th- there was a combined like 85 carries. There was one negative run play.
4: Yeah. Th- so, And I'm sure as a USC fan, you've read up on Caleb Williams, and that's kind of the difference, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But he's like one of the smartest players, like player prospects that people have seen in a while that continually gets them in the right play, right? So, you know, if the defense is showing him something, he's going to change it so that they can get a gash play, which is what they did against Arizona State. Like I watched that game. Um, And I think that's the difference, right? They have talent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have Caleb Williams. They have Iceman Trophy winner. Yeah. But it's not like that stuff can't be replicated
2: at at the lower levels, you know, right. at FCS. It's like just, you don't need to carry eight yards per carry. You can get four and a half yards yeah. per carry.
4: Yeah, but you got to get them in the right position, and you've got to make the right checks, and you've got to block. I was going
1: to say, you like, got to have a push. So much of our problems come back to the O-line, not being who they thought it was going to be.
4: Yeah. And I don't know where you go from here, like, not not to get, like, real depressing on you guys. but
1: No, but we said this last week, Britt and I were talking, and then we kind of brought it up in the pod, that it just kind of feels like the things that are shortcomings of this team don't seem fixable in season. And so many years when we've kind of identified shortcomings, they've managed to, you know, fix them as the year goes on. They get better, they make adjustments, but... There were yeah. no other offensive linemen sitting out there. And and this isn't
4: like what the Bobcats did when they made that run to the championship. Right. So they, they lose their quarterback transfer portal right before playoffs. They put in a lot. It's not a great thrower, but then they're like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to, we're just going to run wildcat and then try to hit some fades. Like, fuck it. Let's do that. And they had a great O line so that they could do that. You know, like <laughs> they would. They, they had and they had a sturdy defense like I, I made that joke on twitter i said you know besides an naia quarterback and tight ends that are never thrown the ball on a battle line and a defense with no skill or size i think we have everything we need to make a run you know but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. like i i mean we we don't have the tools and i i don't know where you go from here i mean i I don't know where Bobby goes from here and I and I think looking at the schedule I think 6 and 5 is best case scenario you know I I truly think that night last year I was freaking out and Coulter made fun of me um that I said they were going to lose three in a row like and I know Davis lost to uh Eastern Washington over the weekend um but i don't i don't think they're going to beat davis and i don't think they're going to beat Sac state they're not going to beat idaho and they're not going to beat bozeman so that's five losses on the season there that's six and five so now you're looking at idaho state northern colorado and portland state as wins and if they play like they did against nau they're not going to win those either and after a six and five season that might be it might be a Tarmac situation, Kyle. Because I mean, I don't know where you go from
3: there. Where you go from
2: there? uh, Sorry, Luke. Go ahead.
3: No, I was I was thinking like where you go from there is Idaho is able to get a competent coach. The Cats have gotten two in a row. Like, why do we think we couldn't get a competent coach?
2: Maybe. Well, like if it is a
3: tarmac situation,
2: I think there's uh, further up the organizational chain. Has to go. Also, I mean, he That's hired probably, him. Probably another guy.
4: Probably another
0: conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm another there, thing you another thing a you also point,
1: conversation. <laughs> another
0: yeah. thing you could point out too, like so, Eck uh, at Idaho, um, Andy Thompson at Sac State, uh, and then the Cats' last two coaches were. Um budding, talented, younger or younger-ish coaches with winning programs that had not been fired once or multiple times from other huh. spots higher up. So this, this. Montana this Montana staff, I-, I looked this up yesterday. I and mean, granted, this isn't the B L endle. It's not like some metric that always works, but the successful teams in the big sky right now. well and sacks troy taylor before that right like he was an assistant was he like a receivers coach or a tight ends coach at utah Um, oc OC. so it's just like programs that are having a lot of success right now are hiring like up-and-coming phenoms and we hired and then all save two of our assistant coaches everyone else came to us from a termination for lack of well, I guess Bobby was doing fine at South Dakota State as special teams, but he was fired at UNLV before. You know, Pease was fired at multiple spots. Uh, you know, you just kind of go down the lines and you look at all these guys, and they were let go from prior positions for not not succeeding. You know, it's funny that about that what right? you
4: were describing those coaches about their resume before they got hired. That fits Bobby the first time he was hired, right?
0: No, it was, wasn't. He He was like he a was, special teams coordinator. Well, he, yeah, it whoa. Was, was it?
4: Uh, well, yeah, up and coming. Wasn't fired. Oh, yeah. Okay. Was in multiple yeah. spots.
3: Yes, like he was yeah.
0: 30, I think he was like 35 or 36 when he got hired. Right? And Andrew, what was his, that, that assistant staff he brought in at that point, too? Those weren't a bunch of guys that were like shit canned at a bunch of other higher up nope, jobs nope, as well. No, Dast- Dasty had just got
4: done playing at Washington. Greg Rack yeah. had just got done playing at Colorado. Yep. Um,
0: uh, I mean, Tom Wilson had old. been
1: fired, but he had
0: fantasy fantasy was yeah. let go at Wyoming, but like, like this staff, our D line coach Linehan was like a grad assistant or something last year. And Justin green has been a mainstay here for a long time. I think you... I could be wrong, but I think everybody else came here uh, from a situation where they were let go at their former program. For I don't presumably mind... lack of, you
1: know, I don't mind the Linehan hire because it, it... He is like one of the only guys on staff that's like young and maybe has new fresh ideas and is relatable yeah. and doesn't have baggage. Like, you know,
4: I'll let you uh in on publicly everyone <laughs>
3: uh
4: uh on this conversation I had with Bobby that I never thought I'd hear which I guess take it for however you want. But we was talking to him about uh when he came back about his punt coverage because I was always on special teams, right? And I love special teams. And uh on punt, we always did the pro block, the pro punt protection, always lined up. It was a zone demand blocking scheme. Uh, and we had like disciplined ways we had to do things, and then you know, you punt the ball, you spread out, whatever. Uh, and when he came back, he was doing the old swing and gate which we just absolutely destroyed when it came out, when he, when his first run and he would always make fun of it um, when we were playing people like Northern Colorado used it against us. And we, we tough Harris returned two punts per touchdowns um, <laughs> because we schemed it up. Right. So like when he, I was like, coach, what's up with the swinging gate protection. And he said, maintenance, free protection. And I was like, what, since when is the the easy way to do things, the way to do things with, with you, like that's never been the thing. Right. And that it might be easier to teach. It might be better. They might have advanced stats. Like, I don't know. That doesn't, that's not indicative of him as a guy or as a coach or whatever, but that, that I feel like kind of encapsulates how I feel about, this last run at Montana I feel like people take the easy way I think players probably do I don't think they're good enough obviously but I I think we always did it the hard way and I don't know if that's being done anymore I just
2: don't I think you would have like the the old Bobby would have made fun of like the three three five yeah I I agree with you like uh the guys that I've talked to that I knew who played on those early teams the defense wasn't like a super complex thing yeah. it was based and mm-hmm. you took advantage of the talents that were there and like the 335 i thought initially was like they didn't recognize they didn't think they had a lot of talent so it was like a way to sort of like overcome that in a way and then what, they just stuck with it
1: yeah but what i was what i was, what it I was is, told I it was,
4: what i was told it was a personnel issue right like yeah. it's easier to recruit you know six foot 215 pound safeties from montana than it is to recruit a defense alignment right so it was a scheme related and again why are you doing the easy way and just like oh i'm going to recruit more small kids like those kids exist that you need they play for south dakota state like go get them like what? don't take the easy way out and i think once you take the easy way out it becomes easier and easier to take it every time
0: I mean as was pointed out to me there was a kid that was like at Carroll or Rocky or something that uh, now is like a defensive lineman for Idaho. and was kicking ass against Sac State. I mean I don't know how I don't know how that kid goes to Idaho. I mean, yeah. I mean you know he's like 6'1 260. So Andrew God, I was going to need. Yeah. Andrew, I was going to ask you this cuz this this pod is a is a bummer is a motherfucker and I <laughs> So this like last week, we were saying the exact same thing. In two thousand eight, the Montana Grizzlies had to kick a field goal to beat a Central Washington team that had a lot of like weird transfer talent on it. Tons drop been, downs from the Pac twelve. Tons schools. drop downs, like guys that went on the CFL and the NFL. Like mm-hmm. it was like this super weird squad. And interestingly, like so. Okay, so last week we beat a Fair State team by seven. That's got a team full of a bunch of guys that transferred out of FBS schools for you know <laughs> grades or. In some cases crimes and so uh so it's like okay there's some similarities like we eked by a d2 school uh that had a lot of talent in it and then you know in 08 right the very next game if i remember correctly grays go to weber it's a it's a you know it's a rainstorm but grays get their ass kicked um this time grays go northern arizona not weather related but they still get their ass kicked so what in 08 because then the next game was that Eastern game, and it wasn't the prettiest game, but the Grizz won, and then they got on a roll and got going. What did you see in at that time, and do you think that could happen again here?
4: Well, what, what, we scored like 35 points against Central, right? Like,
0: Yeah, it was like a 35, 32 and, or, or and, something, yeah.
4: yeah. What I think we found in that year is we kind of found what worked pretty early on like chase and i i wish we kind of saved more chase towards the end of the of the season um but we he seems pretty beat up by the end like he was small yeah his sophomore year but we found like what we needed to do and what worked and what like cole would do with protections and finding the right play and if something broke down he would scramble it was, we knew we had to move the chains and we knew our defense was going to help us out. Like we knew we had talent all over the field and all we had to do is score enough points. And I think we had this thing in the back of our head of like, Hey, 2007, we should have won the national championship. We had all these players. We were loaded to the gills with all these guys. We missed our chance. Let's just make sure that we, you know, hold court, so to speak for the, our program and let's mm-hmm. do things that we know how to do well and everyone took like a, a pride in doing their job you know like they're the people who didn't like were the ones that got in trouble with that drug raid or you know <laughs> like the the jeremy pates <laughs> yeah. right so like i think that was that was 2008 I, th- I think we found like that run game inside outside zone with chase and then cole hitting people on play actions of mariani or or ferreter or you know Palmer, like our tight ends were good. I think the difference there though is that we knew we had talent there, you know, yeah. we knew we had Colt Anderson in at safety and he was gonna destroy people, you know, like we knew our defense was solid um all around, we knew Trumaine was a good player, even as a true freshman, um, we knew our offensive line was nasty and they were going to get a push and and really fuck people up. Like J.D. Quinn, uh, Brent Russom, Chris Dyke, Levi Horn. Like all those guys are massive human beings. Colin Dow, Taron Hillsland. you know, like massive, massive human beings, and athletic guys. So like, I think we knew that we could rely on something and we could hang our hat at
0: least on something. So what was the week like after that Weaver loss? Was did was there a change from the staff? Change from the players? Was it just quiet confidence? It was we all fucked up. We're
4: going to get it right. Like yeah. you you were going to do your fucking job. We're the Montana Grizzlies. We're not going to At that point, you got to understand, like at that point we had won the Big Sky I think 10 straight years. So yeah. like we didn't want to lose be the ones that lost it, right? Like that was on the line. Like I remember seeing our the year that we won Ninth Street. Like coming into meetings, our playbooks said make it ten on the front of it. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So like it was ever present. Like you're not gonna be the ones who drop the conference title to anyone, you know. Mm-hmm. So I I think it was very present in our minds, and we knew that. They beat us up in a monsoon that would have been different under different circumstances, and we got our opportunity to do that in the playoffs, and we kicked playoffs, the shit out yeah. of them. Yeah, like like come up to WaGriz, we will beat the shit out of you. <laughs>
3: um,
4: and that was the that was the confidence. I think that, um, I think I've told this story before, and I tend to ramble, but uh, I got wings with some guys who went to Northern Colorado, um, and. Uh, they played in the same time as, as me. And they're like, Oh man, you played at Montana. Like when you got off the bus, did you just know you were going to kick the shit out of us? And <laughs> I thought that was really funny because yeah, we did. Like uh, we all knew that we were like physically stronger and meaner and like tougher than everyone. Um, and, and, you know, if you beat us fine, but we we're going to, we we're going to make it really hard on you. Um and that was that Weber game. Like we, we had that chance. And that was that whole, that whole week uh, was all right. We've got Eastern Washington. The last time we were there, they like paint, painted their numbers on the field black for like their black flag game or something like that. And this is before the red field. We knew that they were going to come out and they say that we are their rival. And we were like, fuck that. We only have one rival. Um, <laughs> Cause at the time Idaho was gone, you know? So that was kind of like, Deion sanders they made it personal type thing like we're we're just gonna go down there and kick the shit out of them and then i think after that what did we have like nau and idaho state and portland state a bunch of teams that we knew that we were going to beat bad um route. yeah and and so it kind of just progressed like we knew that we were going to get better like we were gonna we we're gonna play our game and that was kind of the feeling that whole week so then
0: your head coach right now, like what do you do this week for Idaho State to like I mean, take that first step?
4: Uh well, I mean, coaching wise, like motivation-wise, personnel wise, like sure. I <laughs> yes I would I would tell them like well first they'd be running on Monday, uh, they'd have nothing easy, everything would be difficult, um, and then we would hey, we are going to run the, the ball 50, 60 times. And if you can't block it, everyone's going to see it. So do your do your fucking job. But we're going to run it. We're going to run it some get, again. And then I would tell the defense, you're going to hit those guys as hard as you possibly can. And every single play. Like, I don't care if you get a personal foul. Like, hit them as hard as you can. Like, we're, we're not going to uh, be weak in this game at all. And then I would put in McDowell and just run Wildcat the entire day. I try to run for 500 yards, is what I would do. And if it works, it works. Maybe you have your problem solved for the time being. And if it doesn't work, you're in the same position because I can tell you right now, like you're not, you're not going to beat teams throwing the ball downfield the the way you have been. I mean, I don't I don't think that they're capable at that position to do that.
2: Does it feel odd that uh, sacrificial lamb Idaho state is coming in here for homecoming? We're like, we don't know if they're going to win.
4: <laughs> I, I think that's another team I never lost to. What's,
3: what's the spread that makes you comfortable?
0: Uh, I, uh, Andrew, wait, you're on the O five team lost in double overtime there. Did we in Pocatello? Or was so that was 03? Ger- Jared Allen?
4: No, that was 0-3. I thought it was oh
0: oh. Yeah. Okay, you
4: might be right. I don't know. Yeah, I never played against Jared Allen. I don't think.
2: Yeah, yeah, I no, think, yeah wrong. That, nope, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Seven. Yeah, they had yeah. like really good receivers that year. They had Jared Allen. Yeah. And they had Jared yeah. Allen. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that was oh yeah. three.
4: Yeah. So spread mind. of seven. Like can the grid score like thirty points? I don't know. Like, in uh, Idaho State? I I don't know. I like uh, I I don't know what it's in it's in it's
3: in Missoula, right? Yep. Uh, tent? Oh, man, I don't know. Like, I I'm really hoping that the fans show up because at this point in time, they might not. Well, all those guys who said that uh, they don't want to
4: root for a Montana team that's six and five playing against San Jose State um, get to cheer on their six and five Grizz playing against uh, Idaho State. Yeah. <laughs> Success. Mission accomplished. Yeah. I hope that the people got to that joke um, after hearing nothing but. Uh, <laughs> pessimism this for however long you guys have been doing this but i think i would have turned it off by now i mean holy hell
1: no yeah, people need of... people need this <laughs> i think a lot of people this have the therapy. therapy this is therapy
2: yeah i mean i don't like to check in on Egris, but Egris was an ugly place yesterday i mean it was they were already starting to discuss who our next head coach is
0: they want us to talk about that on this pod
3: Ooh, oh, they want us to pick they
0: want us to build a whole new staff right now.
3: <laughs> can can we get Chote?
4: <laughs> Choate's a great coach. Like I, I'm sorry, Ch- Choate's a great coach. He's a culture builder. I, dude, my uh my best friend played at Boise State. Um so I became friends with his friends and whatnot. Um, all of those guys rant and rave about how much they love Choate. Like, Choate is their favorite coach that they ever had. He's like the the Ty Gregorak of, which is funny, um, mm. of of like coaches uh, like they would want to be on special teams because of Choate. They all sing his praises. Um, and Boise really fucked up by not hiring him as head coach because they're kind of...
1: Clearly. Yeah. yeah.
4: They're in one now. So... But yeah, I don't know. Joe is there any? Is there any up and coming OC?
0: Is there? I mean, shit. Chuck Merrill, Chuck who's the, who's, the a at, who's the OC at? Who's the OC at South Dakota State? Who's the OC at North Dakota State? Who's the OC at Idaho? Who's the OC at Sac State? Shit. I mean, get one of those guys.
1: Call Andy Thompson. But th- that brings up a good question. Would Would Andy Thompson leave Sac State for Montana?
4: I mean, I don't. I. Sexy can probably pay him more.
1: I mean, can probably pay him more. He's got a good thing going on. Probably less pressure. Like, I still believe That's... that we're an attractive job, but
2: yeah, yeah, I 100 percent still think that. I still think there's a lot of a lot of coaches that would still look at what they have here and think that they could build something. If if what's his, if Eck can go to Idaho and build something immediately you, you got to think that competency could build something pretty quickly at Montana, too.
4: You'd think. There, there shouldn't be a problem getting guys to go to Montana. And the no. transfer We're
1: portal, there. I mean, they – they yeah.
4: There shouldn't. Like, the stadium and the Champion Center, like, that. you should not – you should not have a problem getting – it's a beautiful campus. Like, you know,
0: there should not be a problem there. Problem is that we're not getting those guys there currently. Andy Thompson's base salary is twenty thousand higher than Bobby Hawkes.
3: Yeah, now, not surprising.
0: What I, what I don't know is his incentives versus Hawkes. Hawkes incentives can push him as close to five hundred. I have no idea what Thompsons are. I
4: mean, we'll see. Yeah. I I mean, and we'll see how well he does, right? Like I mean, this is his first year. They seem to be doing all right. Um, You never know. Things can start out well and then stit the bed.
0: You can beat North Dakota State in in your first game and then, yeah. So
1: So, who who knows? uh, Andrew, Then maybe, maybe the last question on this part of the pod, but since you just brought it up, final year of stit versus right now. Compare the program.
4: Um, That's a good question. I was at that Northern Colorado game in 2016.
1: Kyle brought that up before you got on, yeah.
4: Uh, they looked terrible. Like, I've never seen – again, I'm talking bad about players again. The O-line of that team, I've never seen a bunch of worse in shape – College athletes. Like they were they were the worst bad body people I've I've seen. And losing to northern Colorado was just embarrassing. In a city that smells like shit. (laughs) The Grizz smelled worse. Like I I don't know. That that was really bad. Right now, I think they are a better looking group, but I think they don't have like they have what junior Bergen, they have the running backs, Mm -hmm. receivers are okay. But I mean, at least Stitt had some wide receivers that played in the NFL, you know, had um, some defenders that was well limited, won the buck. Right. So like I. It's hard to compare and contrast. I mean, the season's not over. They could pick it up. Who knows? But I think at the end, we'll be looking at them kind of similar, similarly,
2: similarly. Andrew, were you were you at the Cat Grizz game that year? That final year, state was there because I remember you and I talked. About yeah, things. I was. And remember how bad the body language was? Oh, bad the Grizz sideline. Yeah. So we heard some things yesterday that maybe the body language and the reaction of certain players was really bad yesterday too.
4: Could be. I mean, if you have someone that's pounding the drum constantly and constantly telling you what you need to do and is disciplinarian and and then it doesn't work. Probably tune that guy out. I I do remember that game though, uh, Kyle, because uh, I went up to Gregorak after the game and he said if if they had any balls, they'd fire him on the fucking field. (laughs) (laughs) Which is great. Uh, I love Ty. Uh, who's really good at this job that he's doing? So,
0: shouts a lot. He really shouts a lot. He he does. Although he shouted a lot, I I watched plenty of practices and he shouted plenty then too. So, yeah, <laughs> he's entertaining, man. I think he's good at it. Oh yeah.
3: Ah, uh, <sighs> all right. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. And on that note. Guys, that's my time. So, all right. uh, The next time you want to uh, bury the grizz, I'm
0: more than available. I guess.
1: Um, No, no, no. We didn't bury the grizz. You and Sample did.
0: (laughs) I mean, my my hope is this: it's like three, four weeks from now, and you're like, "Oh my god, it's 2008 all over again." Let's fucking go. And then have me back on, and then have people comment live of
4: all the shit talk that (laughs) I have to wear. I would love that. We all have to wear. How, I, I, how I would you? love for people just to shit talk me constantly about how the Grizz are good. Oh. I will wear it. It will be like a dunk tank, but for <laughs> shit talking, I will public square.
3: We could do will... a, a Zoom waiting room and let them in one at a time. Yes. Have people <laughs> yell at me. I, I will love it. Best.
4: Uh, best uh, insult wins a prize. Yeah, (laughs) I don't think it's gonna happen, but I've been wrong before. So, um,
3: before you go, one of my favorite fall customs is kind of following your Halloween spectacle. How's oh, uh, yeah, I've maybe I need to do a live
4: stream or something. I don't know, maybe I have Zoom on my phone. I have something new this year, okay. So I have a path. Um, so I was like, I have all these things, but people I, like this yard, it wasn't being used and people couldn't see everything. So I set up some lights that go around a tree and like, so there's nothing in the way to for people to trip over. And then I put a bunch of animatronics that pop out and scare you uh, <laughs> on each side of the path and around the tree. Um, so it, it's it's going strong. Not everything's up yet. Um, everything should be up by this weekend, by October
3: 1st. Um, we should be good to go. And but, for our listeners who might not understand, part of uh, Andrew's display is is fueled by pure spite, right? Yes, it, it's a spite house. Yes, correct. <laughs> so, the... the <laughs> Very Larry <laughs> the,
4: David of you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the The... Person really fucked up by sending me an anonymous letter saying that, hey, wait to put your decorations up. Sign the seven of us. I'm like, okay, fuck you. I'm gonna double it. So I've been doubling it for like four years now. And uh (laughs) I'm still waiting for the apology letter. As soon as it comes, I'll call, I'll stand down. But uh I have regulars now. People like come to my house and like jump on all the things like every day, like little kids. It's like the hit of the neighborhood. Um, and they don't know. (laughs) <laughs> that this isn't because I enjoy Halloween. Yeah. Oh, I do. <laughs> but this is cause fuck that person who wrote that letter. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love that.
3: <laughs> I'll
4: I'll post a video on, on Twitter here after this. You guys can reference it. Right, I look forward we'll to share it on it. the pod. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it out
1: there for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for dropping in, Andrew. Andrew. Hey. Yep,
4: go grizz. Right. Go
0: grizz. Right on.
1: Stop that! <laughs> Stop that, Brenton.
2: <laughs>
1: so quickly, Brent, you have been—you have been—you uh, know—probing uh, yeah. this out, but you do not have to finish this pod with us. Yeah, I'm fading, boys. So, there, is there anything else you you want to talk about? I want to talk about.
0: I don't know. I think. Talk I, I, about, th- talk
3: talk about on, Idaho
0: as much as you
3: feel like you can.
0: Idaho or <laughs> Idaho State. Um, I I've just messed with you. I'm giving you a Bobby Howe press conference when Sean Rainey said, Where are you at? And he's like, We're in the locker room in Flagstaff. It's like, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Idaho State. Uh, I mean, I've not looked into them too deeply, but if anyone thinks this is going to be an easy get right game for the Grizz, you're kind of fooling yourself because they have the number one uh, pass offense in the big sky um they've won their conference game granted northern colorado but uh yeah you know this team got blown up last year right new coach uh tells everyone in their last game that they're not going to be on the roster next year and then prompts promptly quits on them and leaves to arizona state and the whole roster falls apart they hire dan hawkins kid and uh, their first three games, they go zero and three as well. But they look competitive in a couple of them, uh, especially when against San Diego State of all teams. And um, then they they beat Northern Colorado, and they they was they. I don't know if you guys saw some highlight reels, but like there was a play where UNC. I don't know if it was a receiver, or running back. He's he's scot free. He's going the end zone, and he kind of slows up around the ten or five, and this Idaho State corner comes in and punches the ball out on the one and it's a touchback um they're gonna play hard they're gonna pass the ball a ton and they they have a real bad run defense so um it's kind of funny but like you know a get right game for the grizz like andrew said it is probably going to be a lot of running the ball controlling the line of scrimmage and Making sure our pass defense doesn't get cooked like it kind of did against NAU and kind of like has it's been caught off guard repeatedly in all four of their games this year. So, um, that's my early assessment on them. I think this is going to be a trickier game. You guys have heard me say this before. Homecoming crowds can be kind of weird coming then, especially off this NAU game. I don't know. The vibe's going to be interesting, but I think like. I'll leave with this like the full circle thing is like and I've heard this on multiple levels like we're bitching about this team we're upset about this team we we want more from this because we care about this program and we support it and we're fans of it you know it's like no one in northern Colorado or Cal Poly uh, gives a shit about their program and we do and so we're having these like tough conversations about this team not because we just want to take a dump on them but because we want to see things get better we want to see the Grizz win games. We want to see them win conference titles and national championships. So, we're doing this from a pace, place of wanting them to succeed. I'm sure the coaches and the players do as well too. Can they do it? We'll have to see. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, this is we gotta we gotta get shit better uh, against Idaho State because it's not getting any easier after that.
2: So, so really, really quick before you doze off, what do you think the odds are that on Saturday evening we hear that the demise of the Montana Grizzlies? was uh whatever that bullshit line we heard last year
3: it was vastly exaggerated or yeah. something.
0: Yeah, oh my god. We'd better not no I, <laughs> I mean maybe if if there is any sort of gigantic grandiose statement about the demise of the Grizz for beating a one in three Idaho state team, um we're probably worse shape than we even think we are, honestly you know now now if we if we hit the road and we beat davis who suddenly might look vulnerable and i don't know i don't know how the hell we hang with idaho after watching that team but uh but you know you do that then yeah throw that out there cuz then then it's true
3: but yeah I, don't I, know. I mean bobby even said that this team isn't where it was a year ago so like i don't think like you said beating this idaho state team is going to get a clap back from him like I think it'll, it'll be like all right. Let's see if we can get some momentum now. But oh yeah. my god, this just seems like a
0: like score more than fourteen points on offense and don't embarrass yourself kind of game. That's what it feels like to me. But I think this game we're going to be nervous in this game too. I just it just feels like it. And I think Idaho State's got a bit of momentum going. I mean, I don't care that it was Northern Colorado. They won their first game. How many games did they win last year? They win one or they win none. I can't even remember. They won zero. Seven so won a game. In, they, they won their first game in like two years on Saturday. So, I mean, slight confidence builder. Yeah. So, I don't well, know, guys. This one's going to be tricky. But yeah, so I texted you guys my picks for the conference. Yeah. I got, I got one upset special. I don't know if I totally believe it, but Kyler will love it. So, uh,
1: it's Weaver uh, over UNC, right? That's your upset special.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, something like that. No, I, huh. I I got I, I got a feeling Eastern's gonna surprise Idaho.
1: It's in Eastern, and you know it's Idaho, good. like it's kind of a prove your real game for Idaho because it's like this could easily be a trap game for them, you know. Oh yeah. So you're Weber over UNC, Eastern Washington over Idaho, MSU over PSU, UC Davis over Poly, Sac over NAU, Grizz over ISU. That's what I got. All right. Well, we're gonna do listener questions without you. You go. You know get your head right, take however much time you need this week, but be ready to go on Saturday.
0: Well, I, I will be ready to go. I'll be out of quarantine. I'll have my scouting report up earlier than Thursday night, and I'll have this pot up tomorrow. Don't you boys worry.
1: All right. Yeah. And, you know, don't forget that retest, man. All constant around. Just read we just have, we'll we see might need the winners.
0: We might need to make a t-shirt out of that. That's a pretty damn good joke, Mike. <laughs>
1: oh, it's growing on him. It's only the of <laughs>
0: All right, boys. I'll catch up with you.
1: All right, night, Brent. Yeah, better Brent. Guys, before we uh, hit the uh, hit the listener questions, is there anything else that we haven't touched on that we need to talk about? I mean, I feel like we've been far reaching with this.
2: Yeah, I, I have... feel like we talked about the game. we would really hit like a bigger picture of shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. I've got one thing, but I'm I, I haven't looked at listener questions. Go for it. If we'll just skip the question if it's there. Uh, OK, let's let's imagine that this team doesn't course correct much like, you know, we maybe nab a win over Idaho State this weekend and we get Portland State. Right. We're at two conference wins this this year. Heading into MSU, how many Grizz fans sell their ticket? to the Cat Grizz game, or how many how many UM fans sell their tickets to MSU fans? Like, could there be 20,000 MSU fans? No,
1: it, it yeah. won't be 20,000. It could be a lot. There'll be a lot. If they're in that bad of shape, there'll be a lot. It's going to be fans, like Cat fans will still pay a lot of money for them because they're going to be putting
3: a bow on a real good season with, you know. Do you yeah. think it'll be over 50-50, MSU fans? No. No, what Grizz fan is gonna want to want to watch us lose eighty to zero? Boy, you have really hit in the deep depths of depression here. Well, MSU hung forty on Weber. I know. Like, and I don't think that's a game where I would blame a team for not like calling the dogs off. That's a game where if you won by eighty, like that's a rivalry. It's a rival. It's yeah. yeah. You put them down, and like I've been kind of nervous about this uh, since last week, since watching us against Ferris. Um, I just I don't know. If, no one has an answer to to any of this, but it's something that's like kind of working in the back of my mind, and I can't get over it. I, and I don't know.
2: <laughs> now if there were, if there were ten thousand cat fans, that would be a that'd be a, I think a failure on on our part and that oh my god if there were 10,000 cat fans and they get absolutely embarrassed i mean to me that's like a signal that it's over
3: if the resale market of these tickets is going to pay for the price of your season tickets twice <laughs> twice yeah you're going to sell that ticket and you're like i'm going to be warm i'm not going to watch this bullshit like let's pack it in I'm concerned that it's gonna be fifty fifty cat Grizz fans and we're gonna lose eighty zero and and like like it's gonna be a sad day. Like maybe the worst day in Grizz history. No, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, I just that's so depressing. That's yeah. why I kinda of wanted to wait to say that, but um only the real ones are listening at this point. So well, that is
1: that is depressing. You know, we could talk a little bit more about Bobby's press conference. Like, I just. Oh, my God. You just got embarrassed by a bad team on the road. And, like, I I saw a clip of the Missouri beat writer Frank Gagola, or however you say his name, asking, you know, they stuck with Sam. Like, why don't you play McDowell a little bit more? And the answer is just. I mean, it's bullshit. Like. They've been rotating these QBs all year. They both played yesterday. And it was just like this. It's like you no longer have the credibility to be such an asshole to everybody. Like, is that part of the problem?
2: For me, for me, it, it influences a lot of how I feel about this program right now. I'll be totally honest. Like his demeanor and just the way he's, Acted to people like it does influence a lot of like my hopes that they decide to move on
1: well it just I mean and I'm not I'm not there yet I don't I think I don't think it does anything for the kids on the team to be talking about moving coaches in the middle of the year or anything like that and so I'm not there like Bobby's been here for a long time whatever but you hear all these things about like you know we teach our kids to be respectful you hear anecdotal stories about like the recruit comes and they're wearing their hat backward. they're like correct, you know, they're, they're on them and they're doing all, and it's like, because you're trying to be respectful. And then that's like, it's some of the most disrespectful behavior there is. Like in no other world would it be okay to act like that?
2: No, it's also just like, I mean, I've, I hate during press conferences when the person who's taking the questions spins it around on the person asking the question, because like, the point of that person being the one answering the questions is because people want to hear their opinion. Like it should never be spun back around, like just as a matter of practice, it should never be. And I'm so glad that Frank was like, Frank handled it the way he did. And he was like, well, that was, that's your decision. Cause like it it is, and it's a totally valid question for him to react that way. It's just like,
3: I walk I walk between um how I would get really frustrated and actually sometimes I do get really frustrated when people second guess decisions I make at work um and and like I can feel myself in and sometimes in some situations I don't do a very good job of like you know being really understanding about it Bobby's going through this He's a hyper-competitive person. Um, Maybe he does feel like his job's on the line or something. Maybe he does have some insecurity about how his team played. And then immediately after, he's being asked questions that if you're maybe insecure in that moment about the performance, you are going to be defensive. So I'm like, I kind of empathize because in no other career profession, do we really get to, like, second-guess people on their choices? like that soon after but then on the other hand this is the fucking job and you've been in this profession right. forever like this has been your only a job in your adult life you should know how to handle these press conferences by now and know this is coming and it's part of the reason why you get paid this exorbitant amount of money to do this wonderful job um so the, you know like I, I bounce back and forth between those two situations and at the end of the day yeah he like is being super condescending to someone who's just trying to get his opinion on a situation, so ah, kind of inexcusable. There's sort of a lack of
2: realization, too, that that is not just a question from Frank, that is a question from his fan base, like, that you yeah. said like, that is why you get paid this amount of money, because it wasn't Frank just asking that question because he wondered it. I think pretty much every Grizz fan, or yeah. the vast Wondered the exact same thing. And so it feels like it's condescending to us also.
1: Fair. Fair. I, just, yes. I just don't get it. But anyway, I don't want to get worked up. I, um, you know, I, I think these players are playing hard. I think a lot of what's going on is out of people's control. I'll be curious to see how this week goes. Yeah. That's where we're at. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. Um, Let's see here. I'm going to pull up the uh old Twitter to start. Lots of comments in this section. Things about being an optimist, but they don't know they could do it anymore. Talking about Grizz fans regardless of our ridiculous expectations. Not much to say about this weekend. Uh Brian Marceau tells the club, want to know of your UM concerns, which looks like the most fixable during the season?
2: Yeah, maybe maybe just going with a run game. Maybe just going with McDowell and just trying to run it 60 times a game.
1: All right. Um I was gonna say if they wanted to, they could ha- they could hire more people to make uh getting into the stadium easier. That seems like something that you could <laughs> <finish>. <laughs> I mean Somebody else said uh they'd love it if we had less streaming issues. So dude. oh yeah. These are valid things because well, I
2: I guess I tuned into the game like a little bit late, maybe like two, three minutes into the game late, but it was on for me. So when you were trying to get it, what time were you what time of, what point of the first quarter were you able to actually get it on your TV?
1: Um I don't know on the TV because it was. It came back to ESPN Plus before it came back to the TV for me.
3: Okay. Eight, eight using... minutes and forty three seconds into the game is when you can pick it up. There you go. The, the Wally the Bronco two posted the the YouTube stream or the stream on YouTube, and it, that's that's when it picks up. I think so. He gets it straight from. Like DVR,
1: so It clearly, like, they whatever the streaming issue was, it got reset, but then some of the places that were pulling from it didn't, huh. didn't refresh quick enough. I don't know. Um, a good story here. Uh, ben Goble wants to know if Mike had poor communication with his body double and mistakenly made an appearance at the same event as his double this weekend, causing mass confusion. <laughs> so I was at a wedding this weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing about like growing up here in Missoula and staying is that, you know, you meet, you meet people in different compartments of your life. Right. Like I have all these friends from high school. Then I've got this new set of friends from college, like Luke and right. Right. You know? So, um, and I have an identical twin brother. And so my identical twin brother went to Washington state for college and then went to UMass and got his master's degree. So he was gone for like 15 years. So, he knows all these people from like the high school world. Doesn't know a ton of people from my college world or a big chunk of the professional world. And so we're both at this wedding yesterday and <laughs> I'm walking by Goble and another person from high school who, who knew us in high school. you're a couple years older. they're talking to a third guy, this, this great lender in town. And I won't name him cause I don't want to embarrass him, but he they like grab me and they're like, "Listen to this," and he was he was just saying like, "Dude, guys, there is somebody that looks exactly like Mike here," <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, it's his twin," and he's like, "He didn't believe him. He's like you're fucking with me."
3: <laughs> no, we're good. I never it never occurred to me, but I'm gonna start. Complaining to your brother about issues I have in the city. <laughs> well, the guy talked to him. He's like, "Hey, Mike," and he's
1: like, "I'm John," and said something else. It's like, "Dude, you be like, I'm his twin brother. You know, come on, get along." It's <laughs> like, "I'm John," and the guy's like, "Is Mike fucking with me?" Like,
3: <laughs> that's great.
1: Uh, um, uh, a few cat fans trolling us. um Colorado Grizz fan wants to know why no one in the media is asking Bobby if he feels like he's lived up to the standard since returning to Missoula. Uh,
2: didn't, didn't, is is that what Brent alluded to when he said he got the something from Rainey asking Bobby where he's at? And I mean, Bobby's maybe, the, maybe,
1: maybe. maybe, I don't know. I mean, it's a fair question and they probably don't ask because of the way that their questions are answered in them, which I mean, Bobby doesn't have to answer that, but he could come up with a like you could give a generic answer that's like, you know, things aren't going the way we want them to go in this season. And that's what my focus is on. It, you know, that's a fine answer. Like, you don't have to answer the media's questions, but you don't, you know, you can do that without being a jerk about it. Um. Chad Dennis wants to know, question about the defense. I think smart Big Sky Conference teams have figured out how to attack the 3-3-5 and exploit the Grizzlies' hyper-aggressive nature. Aaron Flugrad sure did. After the end of last year and changing DCs, how surprised, concerned are you? It appears you have made no schematic changes.
2: Well, I actually had a, a conversation with clicksby uh, yesterday after the game asking him because I thought – I didn't think it looked like NAU did a lot that was like – really complex in the way they attacked the defense and got away with um, a lot of their successful plays. Like a lot of that play action and hitting the tight ends underneath, that was really successful for them. Um, and he said that he thought it looked like they reverted back to a lot of what they did coverage-wise in the, pre- in the last two years, which was very different from what he saw them doing over the previous three games of this year, which was like more multiple coverages Things like that. And so I don't know that they haven't made any schematic adjustments. It seems like they have kind of changed a lot some of their coverages that they played, especially in the first four games. Um but yesterday, yeah, I thought they got exploited in, in pretty basic ways that would that would uh attack the like just take advantage of the this three three five
3: defense. What I think teams are learning to do a little bit is like send five receivers, including the running back. Even sometimes motioning the running back out into the slot, because if we if we bring like the intense pressure, then it, you you guarantee one on one coverage. Mm-hmm. And in like third and seven and anything closer, it's kind of easy to get to the sticks if you have a quarterback that can roll out and buy a second um, for a for a move one-on-one uh, and DBs just aren't that good at this level to be able to lock down people. And I, I think I saw that a little bit uh, last week and this week I was sort of paying attention to it. And I'm like, gosh, it just seems like they're they're not holding tight ends and running backs in the block as much as sending five out all the time because they know we're going to bring pressure with this front. Yeah. And I thought – and Andrew Schmidt brought up a point I hadn't heard, but, like, we went to the the defensive scheme because it's easier to recruit personnel, and I always kind of thought it was easier to play Robbie in that scheme. Um, but knowing how – and maybe as a consequence, and both of those things could be true, or maybe just one of them are true, but as a consequence – we're so thin on D line. Like we haven't recruited a bunch of D linemen because it's like, we've only needed three starters at any one time in in theory, but now like to move to a different base defense would require us onboarding a shit ton of new D linemen, And we just didn't do it and we've lost some to injury. So it's like the hell if we can run anything else at this moment, like, we can't put four D linemen down. We don't even have three.
2: Yeah, they definitely don't have the depth in at the interior D-line position for sure.
1: Yeah, which is just amazing. I mean, the fact that we're where we are in any coaching regime and to not have depth like that, that's a glaring concern. You know, they are doing something different, but I think when they get nervous, they revert back to, to base. And to the point you made where you kind of talked to Clixby about it a little bit, you know, Grizzfan 24 or whatever breaks stuff down. Um, they were behind and they were nervous. And I think one thing that we've been kind of bad at is third and long. This is anecdotal. I don't have good stats to go look at this. But, I mean, we we gave up that huge fourth and whatever against Ferris State. And, we, and it's like I think we sit back in our base in this three three five, and people know how to exploit that. And I think that's what our problem is. So hopefully, you know, and it's a you know, it, this is the first time this the defensive coordinator is really called plays. So maybe that's an experience thing too. Yeah. Um. Comments about incredible each week. We seem to get bad breaks, and the opposing, opposing coach finds something new. Um, so yet everyone runs the same thing. So we're just talking about some of the common lines. Although there was a statement made that. Apparently they didn't think that the QB that played was going to play and we just weren't ready for them. And we've heard that before. And that is the, one of the more concerning things I have ever heard come from a coach before. Like, was the offense grossly different? Like, I, uh,
2: yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't watched NAU play, but I was surprised to see they play a different quarterback. Like, I don't think Milner, or I think that's his last name, played that badly in their previous three games. But I, I don't know. I, I've, I haven't really watched them play, so I don't know what their offense looked like before.
1: But Brent said, Brent said on the pod, and I don't. maybe it's a completely different guy, but he said last week that like the other guy starts, and then he plays bad, and then they bring this guy in, and he looks better.
3: So, well, it would be interesting if a team could have two different quarterbacks and two different functional systems, like when we can't have one. You know, like, it doesn't seem like their scheme would be that much different despite a a new quarterback. It's probably a a new quarterback, same system, right? Yeah. So you shouldn't be shocked. Like, that shouldn't bring on a new surprise. It's just a different dude and a different number, right? I don't know. I mean,
1: yeah. All right. Uh, Dan Hall says, Andy Thompson for head coach, question mark. We already kind of talked about that. But you could see, like – and some of the people that you're hearing this from now aren't the, the fans that I would consider irrational. Like, mm. they're people who have who are calm and, yeah. Um, Corey Bleak says, in a hypothetical set of questions of how isn't the coach next year, what kind of prospect are we looking for a coach? Offensive or defensive pedigree? Would it be good to go to the proven FBS coordinator or a D two head coach? And then, what is the likelihood of this happening?
2: I mean, I don't really care if it's offensive or defensive minded.
1: I just I want hope to get... they have a broad search and they pick the best guy. Yeah, yeah, or gal for that matter. I, I don't know if they're out there, but
2: yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't care which direction they go. I just want them to get somebody who can, like, do something like Eck did or do something like choke did, where they really are building a program and they're like – and they seem to give, like, some type of agency to their players.
1: Yeah. Well, um, who knows how the season's going to shake out. Um, if we are hell-bent on being a running team, why is McDowell not the starter? Who asked that one? Uh, Justin Martinko. Good question,
3: Justin. <laughs> great question, <laughs> Justin. You still <stumped> yeah, <laughs> have It's a great question, buddy.
1: <laughs> I mean, my my initial kind of short answer is I don't think the Coach he could throw the ball. Because when he got a series there and there was the third down and he didn't throw it downfield, he threw it kind of out to the running back. And that seemed to be the called read. He like looked that way the whole time. So I'm not sure the coaches think he can throw the ball, but I'm getting the point where with where you guys are, where it's like, if we can't do anything else, let's put them in and run the Wildcat and see if that does anything.
2: And do they trust the offensive line? Do they have enough confidence in the offensive line to be able to just be like, we're going to run the ball 60,
3: 70% of the time? Should they
1: have the confidence to do that? that much? No. Does
3: Bergen transfer?
1: Bergen caught seven balls on Saturday.
3: Yeah,
1: might be a career day.
2: Oh, that's definitely a high point. I mean, if you consider he had thirty-one touches all of last season.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, question just about the coaching staff and the lack of development. Just kind of, we've got a lot of old guard coaches. I think we already talked about this. Um, someone wants to know for me and James what cosmic forces are seemingly always preventing the Niners and the Grizz from being good at the same time. I find this with all my teams. Like only one team can be good at a time. You know, the Grizz are struggling right now. The Yankees didn't make the playoffs, but the Niners are a lot of fun to watch.
2: Yeah, I was so fired up last night to watch USC, and then they looked like shit, but they still put up 42 points. And I was like, "What is what kind of curse did I stumble into today? Why Why am I so depressed about football today?
1: Who knows? Um, a little bit more of the same. Asking if we've regressed as a program. Um, no one seems to be playing with fire. I don't know. How worried are we about our line play? I think we've talked about that.
2: I hate to question like the passion of the players too.
1: Yeah, I don't question the passion of the players. Like I something something bigger is going on. And I do think that cultural things can sometimes be fixed mid-year when it's like you acknowledge what the problem is and you try to figure it out. And I do think Bobby has done that before. So
3: It's a good, it's a good point. Like, I don't know about you guys. I I, I know Mike is competitive. Kyle, I'm sure you are too, but like as a, someone who's really competitive, like I'm playing shoots and ladders to win with my niece. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. Like I'm playing beer pong with friends and, I'm talking shit and I'm trying to win. <laughs> I'm cheating. I'm trying to play dirty. You know, like these, the players are, they're competitors. Like yeah. college football actually low-key sucks as a lifestyle. Um, they wouldn't be playing if they didn't really love to compete. Oh, so yeah, I have no doubt in my mind these kids are playing really damn hard and they want to win. Uh, it's just unfortunately more complex than like if you're competitive, like everyone's competitive. So there's other things that need to be there too.
2: Do they need to load up on a bus and go to Gettysburg? <laughs> Remember the Titans?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so in Montana, where do where do we take that bus? Like what, what's yeah. the Ooh, bus? We
2: bus all the way. Oh, we, shit. Yeah, we, we go. We're on this bus together. We're going to figure it out.
1: See, I think Luke could figure out a place in Montana and come up with some good story that works. (laughs) Um, Austin Wardlow has a long series of tweets, but the, the gist of it is he kind of sees the Montana fan base divided into two groups. Group A wants the program to overhaul itself with new leadership. Group B wants to kind of believe that leadership always has to come from the glory days. That actually feels like an accurate assessment of the fan base. <laughs> yeah, it does. There's not yeah. really a question in there, but. Um, Kelly Patrick Harris wants to know, what is the delineation point for big change this year? Um, five wins, six wins. I mean, if they if this team goes six wins and doesn't make the playoffs, I mean, that is a underachievement of massive proportions for where you would expect a program to be at this point in a coach's tenure, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, if they go six wins, they can't make the playoffs, right?
1: No, no because they would only have five D1. Right. Boy,
3: yeah. I, mean, exactly. I have no
1: intention of being a negative person on
3: this pod. Well, I actually unfortunately it's more it's it's I think more difficult than wins and losses uh here at um because we just sold a record number of season tickets like if you're an ad and you're like oh should we stick with the most popular coach we've ever had like of course we should but also kyle as you mentioned like it getting rid of bobby might for other changes and so, like, there's got to be intense lobbying from within that this is an idiosyncratic like hiccup of a year, uh, and there's all this financial undercurrent that would that would seem to want to keep Bobby around. Uh, and another like melody in this song, though, is like Bobby hasn't signed extended his contract either. So, like, what if he comes over the top and is like, "I want to be paid." this crazy amount like to stay yeah but you don't make the playoffs like how do you do that because then all your other coaches like then travis is going to want to renegotiate his deal and like the soccer coach who's been like wildly successful is like i need to double mine man (laughs) like i don't know
2: yeah yeah like when i said it i would have fired him if I was ad yesterday after some of those comments like you're right Luke. there is a bigger there is more nuance to it right like the season tickets is massively how they fund this program the explosion in the growth of the quarterback club and the amount of money that that has raised like there certainly are bigger questions at play than just being like where's the direction of this
3: and you never know, you sit down with Bobby on a one-on-one and he might be really convincing that like he's competitive as hell and he has a plan and X, Y, and Z didn't work out and who could have possibly seen it. Like Those are real things that might actually be true. So um, it wasn't, I mean, I mean last year we had those three losses in a row, right? Like Idaho, Sac State, Weber, and any one of those games could have went our way. Mm -hmm. and I think even sitting here today then that might be a different conversation
1: so I don't know it's such a
3: splice splicing sort of hair situation I'm glad I'm glad I'm not AD Mike you're a leader what
2: would
1: you do (laughs) well Kyle I would make the decision when the time had, when it had to be made.
3: You're in the evidence gathering stage still.
1: (laughs) we got a season to play. No one's getting fired mid-year at Montana. Yeah. Yeah, no
3: one's, that's a good point. We don't, we're not going to pay a new head coach. Yeah, this
1: isn't USC. Like, (laughs) you know, we know some of these kids on this team, like that no one's getting fired mid-year. They're going to work hard all year and fight to win every game.
2: Yeah. All right. Next one. Good answer.
1: All right. Um, David Coy basically asked if we're superstitious and if every piece of equipment they used last Saturday should be thrown out. um, <laughs> Kind of like baseball. Um, Jonathan Claxton says, if we somehow go five and two over the next seven to get to eight and three, seven D1 wins, how are we getting there? I mean – Davis is the easiest of the tough games. So, like,
3: I mean, if they – I don't know. like We're going to have to beat Idaho on the road. Yeah. And we haven't upset a team on the road in a very long time. But, you know, maybe this will be a wake-up
1: call and they'll figure it out.
3: We're going to go to the playoffs with one
1: loss. All's going to be well.
2: I've got tickets to the Idaho game, and I'm not totally certain I want to go anymore.
1: <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, let's see. Uh, lots of questions about the future. How can you better? Compete with MSU on in-state recruiting. I think that a lot of what we've identified kind of falls into that. I think we just we need to change our approach. What do you say to the players' team? coaches to get them to move past this game we talked a bit about when we already had them we had the disappointing loss like this and it led to a successful season i don't know what you say to the team. i mean i think you're just going to be honest to be like we all were terrible like i actually think that part of his press conference was perfect like every single person on this team starting with me failed on saturday
2: yeah, that, that's a good response from a leader. Like you have to rope yourself into that. Yep. You have to start with yourself.
1: And he did. So um, another question about we have the best facilities, best fan base, best stadium. How are we not a national tighter contender every year? I mean, I don't know if that's a realistic ex- expectation, but it does seem like a program with advantages like this should be better than we have been. Silver Tip Nation wants to know, Bobby's sole purpose and desire in life is to run the damn ball. How is it that we don't have an O-line that allows us to do that? I think we've touched on it. I think it's recruiting. Uh, Robert Martin wants to know, what teams in the Big Sky Conference will the Grizz defeat? And does this change the perception that Ferris State can play with the top Big Sky Conference teams?
2: No, not for me. It doesn't. No. I still think they could.
1: No, I still think that on a given Saturday they could beat half the teams in the big sky. You would reasonably, which is not where we should be, but yeah. You know. Um, Silvertip wants me to slap on some rollerblades and pick the Grizz to lose every single remaining game, even Idaho State. So we have a chance of turning this around.
3: You uh, could rollerblade in your parade, Mike. That is
1: harkening back a few years. That's a loyal pod listener right there.
3: <laughs> Just blading, baby. <laughs> hmm.
1: Um, Nathan W. Biscuit content. Uh, that's an interesting screen name. Um, in all seriousness, Nick, seriousness, has said a lot with Riley that he needs to work on enjoying the moment. Multiple interviews, even went as far as to compliment. Riley on his play-by-play skills this past week. Is it possible Hauk always planned on stepping down after this year? And we've kind of talked about that. Like, I I think if Hauk was for sure wanting to be here next year, Hauk would have a contract. He would have had one in the offseason. Yeah. And there's a reason that coaches and, and universities don't like to play out a contract in the last year because you get questions like that. So huh. is our biggest issue recruiting, development, scheme, or play calling? all I mean more than one, but I I think it's recruiting.
3: They're all so connected, um, but yeah, recruiting that all that stuff Andrew said about like comparing dogs we have today versus dogs we had no weight is that was like I hadn't framed the recruiting issue like that, but that's pretty interesting.
2: That that claim that that other thing he said where somebody was like, well we can't keep recruiting white boys from Montana or something like that. it's like, go back to that previous stint. Look how many of those, uh, look at what the majority of the NFL players were.
3: Yeah. Yeah. On so many levels. That is just really. And I've said many times that the Grizz always under recruit tool County, which is where Cody Pickering is from the sunburst kid. The Montanans don't know sunburst. It's, Nestled underneath the Canadian border, north of Shelby. So, like, just fertile territory for, for great athletes. <laughs> <laughs> <It is. laughs> um,
1: Let's throw through a few more here. Somebody asked about the fourth down play where the O-line was walking to Vidlak as he was scrambling. Um, number 61 didn't play the rest of the game, I don't think, after that. that that's just not acceptable. Like, we heard that Germer was making sure that player knew about it on the sideline after that play. But, I mean, that's, like, you don't want to see that. Um, Lots of talk about Bobby's style. Maybe the conference has passed it by. Wants to know if we think we could ever win a title with Bobby. Bobby. And I think we've actually talked about a lot on here that unless some of the things change, I don't, because Uh I feel like we we we're stuck in a system where we're not necessarily getting the best players that we would need to to be competitive for that. And I think there's a lot of things that go into that, including scheme and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, shoot. Brent already got off this. Nathan also wanted to know how hard it is to sell a house in Missoula in December. He's asking for a friend. Uh, Prince, the only one on the pod that actually sells real estate anymore. So, uh, I mean, maybe
3: I will someday again. Who knows? You might not. You might know something about that, Mike. I know plenty. I know. Plenty.
1: <laughs> Somebody f- said they feel like any you always show up to play us no matter what, which I get it, but doesn't make it any better that this worked out this way. Shouldn't, shouldn't every team show up to play us? Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Like that, I don't. Yeah, that I don't. I don't get that. But
1: um, someone wants to know if we can send the coaches tape from the Eagles game the last two years. So we start running the QB push play on third, fourth, and one. I see another running back run from the shotgun and short yardage. I might have an aneurysm. There's a lot of truth to this. This is it's a weird run setup for short yardage. Boy, every other question is about. Coaching changes. It's a dark time to be a Grizz fan. Man, there's a lot of questions. A lot of the same ones. We were, like,
2: very pessimistic throughout this, but don't you think, like, we met the mood?
1: Uh, Yeah. I think we 100% met the mood. By these questions, I can tell you we met the mood because so many of them we've already talked about. Um. Somebody wants to know what would need to happen for the Grizz to get Bobby a contract extension. I mean.
3: I I kind of think he's got it if he wanted it this week.
1: Luke, I kind of wonder that too. Like if he said, if he went to him and said, we need an extension so that we could show that we're committed to this, I bet they'd give it to him. Um, which is a whole other conversation. What needs to happen for the fan base to feel comfortable with that decision? A whole lot of wins and playoffs that get to the semis, probably. Like they're beating good teams. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Somebody asked it. Does it bother you guys how Bobby treats the media? I mean, one hundred. Yes. Kind of answered yes. that question. So that's Twitter. There's also a million on Egris. We're we're not going to read them all.
2: Um oh. did anybody look at eGrizz last night just to see? No,
1: this is the first time I've been there in months, actually. But yeah,
2: yesterday was the first time I looked in a long time and it was, <laughs> like, it was dark.
1: <laughs> so MT Grizz dark. rule wants to know if we can finally address possible names to start considering for head coach or OC, or at least admit it's time to start looking. You guys avoid these kind of subjects normally. I get it. You're loyalists like it or not. At some point, these things need to be considered. I don't know if I would consider this pod quite the level of loyalist that people like, I mean, like, we talk about all the serious things. I mean, I picked the Cats a couple of years ago. Like, what, I mean, Brent, Brent may be sugar on the eGriz, but...
3: It's way too early to start, like, shopping, because anyone that we want is, like, in the first quarter of their season, right? Like, um, and who knows who will be available but a good idea is always making a list
1: and I think I think we have very much discussed tonight that there are some major issues that it feels like need to be addressed. Is that fair? There's a really
2: interesting name thrown out uh, Chuck Morrell Who's that? So he was the head coach at, at Tech for yeah. a while and they were they were pretty successful under him more successful than tech teams had been in a long time. He got uh hired from there to go be uh Kaelin DeBoer. I think that's his name. He's the head coach at Washington State right now. He got hired away from tech to be his safeties coach, I think, at Fresno State. And now he's the co-defensive coordinator at Washington. He's just a guy that I think has shown like an ability to like build a program and
1: he's at UDAB kind of right
2: familiarity
1: with
3: here.
2: Uh
1: it's just an interesting name. If he me. would if he would come here that would be a
3: great hire. Yeah. He was Frontier Conference coach of the year in 12, 15 and 16. Yeah. He
2: he brought Tech to the playoffs and Tech was like a pretty down program before that.
1: Well, Oh that's something. There you go. MT Grizz Rule. Um <clears throat> Someone wants to know how much money it would take for Brit to put a for sale sign in BH's yard. Um oh Is it possible the O-line needed to get punched in the mouth and embarrassed to get their shit together? Or are they just not
3: good?
2: I think they're just not good, but...
1: I mean, they definitely got their... They got, definitely got punched in the mouth. Um, somebody asking about... Causes for lack of offensive production. We've talked about it. They say lack of creativity, lack of player talent, mismatch of talent and plays being called. Um, Is it the Jimmy's and Joe's or the X's and O's? We've answered that. Brent's rally risky didn't work. Concerns about lack of ability to recruit people. Somebody wants to know if... They did feel like they needed to make a change. Would it make sense to have someone like Justin Green be the the interim coach for the rest of the year? Boy, I mean, I, it's, it's nothing not good happen. comes out of interim coaches. Like, Very rarely d- does making someone an interim coach make anything better.
3: Yeah. No, it would be a coordinator. It would be like the, the offensive coordinator. It would be Pease due to his experience and stuff, but like it's just not going to happen. Like, yeah, 0% chance.
1: Grizzfan07 um, wants to know why have we not seen Vidlak chewing the O line out while on the sidelines?
3: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> yeah. um... My God,
1: there are a lot of questions. Right? <laughs> I'm trying to sort through them on, like, what we haven't talked about. Um, is there some drama we don't know about in the offensive play calling an O-line play? I mean, if we don't know about yes. it, we don't know about it, but something's not working in that whole setup. James, what's your favorite pizza topping? We got that one. It feels like a game during Bobby's first tenure. The Grizz would have found a way to win. What has changed? Andrew answered that with he thinks it's the players. Um, I I kind of wonder if it's just coaching staff at a different point in their career. You know, and when Bobby says things like "we're not close to as good as we were last year," at this point, he basically is saying that we're bottom tier Big Sky team. That's that's someone's comment, which is interesting because last year we were sixth.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, boy. Lots of the same stuff here. Lots of the same stuff here. Scrolling for any good ones. Lots of questions about Bobby getting rid of the 335 RPO. I'm not skipping your questions everybody it's just we've answered a lot of them somebody asked about offensive adjustments during the game Kyle what do you think about that we we don't seem to make any anyway
2: i don't i don't see a lot like as far as like personnel groupings go um but again it, it just goes back to that that point that schmidt made and the thing that bobby has said when you are Constantly put behind the chains. It's tough to it's it's really tough to scheme up an offense in that situation. It's really hard when you have I mean, how many times do they have third and ten or longer yesterday? You get kind of predictable, you know, because you yeah. have to get 10 yards or more.
1: No. Um hayden Grizz injecting a dose of uh, levity in here. Has any team ever lost a conference game on the road and still made an FCS playoff run?
2: Has any like any Grizz
1: team? I think that's. I think it could be. However, you want to answer it. Yeah, that that team that lost when
3: they went to the national championship.
1: (laughs) I think the point he's making is everybody needs to calm down. It's one game. Boy, lots of comments about Bobby making the comment about how we're not good in the press conference. Um, it that's just a striking comment, like we all heard it too. So, we've already talked about as the players, the coaches. I think it's just everything and everyone. Oh, now there's people fighting in the thread. <laughs> um, something about the Packers. Somebody makes the point of how is Vidlock going to get any better behind this offensive line, which is something I agree with. Like, you know, Schmidt said Vidlock's an NAAQB, and who knows. But to me, there's very little actual stuff to evaluate him on because I think the play calling's been bad, and the O-line play's been bad, and he's a sophomore.
3: Well, he, like, he keeps throwing over 60% complete while getting, like, bum-rushed all the time um and in really crazy down and distances. I kind of think he could be, Oh, you know, like a good quarterback uh if he was put in better situations. I kind of do too. I'm okay with good lack.
1: Yeah. I, to me, he is farther down the list on, on concerns than a lot of other things. Um, Iowa Grizz wants to know, assuming you woke up after a coma and had to pick just one, would you rather be a Grizz fan for the rest of this season or a Denver Bronco fan for the rest of this season?
2: Got a Grizz fan, easily.
3: Easily a Grizz fan. Shorter season, right?
1: Ah! (laughs) Oh, that was brutal. (laughs) There's some karmatic forces working in that world right now. Um, You know, one thing that – going back to the question about lists of guys to consider – what about Aaron Flugrat?
2: Somebody made a good point like would he considering what happened to his dad here, would he ever
1: I don't know head coaching opportunities don't come every day. It's a, I, I bet his dad would tell him, no, you go take it because I think they'd see it as some sort of vindication and uh, nobody that had anything to do with that is even here anymore.
3: yeah that's that's a good point. everyone's gone.
1: So whoever thinks we don't talk about this stuff, phew. all right. We're nearing the end, guys. We're nearing the end here. Questions got a little painful. Um lots of questions about how does Bobby earn a contract extension? Um somebody said there just seems to be no set sense of urgency or leadership from the players themselves. Do you see that? Or do you think that if there are issues, I mean, like, because even if teams aren't great, like if if we take Andrew's premise that maybe we're not as talented as we should be, you still get leadership from players, right? And like the stuff we saw with the O-line, like someone's got to be a leader on that group and say this isn't acceptable, right?
2: You hope that (laughs) somebody like feels comfortable to do that. But I kind of wonder, like, have we not, really had a, a leader as a player since Sneed. Right. So.
1: Well, and again, this goes back to like, I just don't think there's one issue because I continue to wonder if we have a culture that really encourages it. Yeah. Like we encourage it in some ways, right? In kind of the manly macho captain leader, right? And we get we we wanted enforcers on defense and we had them.
3: I would like to ask Marcus Will know that question. Well, Brent uh, keeps teasing
1: us that he's going to come on.
3: Yeah. Sometimes I think I
1: I get hesitant
3: in my analysis of these culture issues just because like it's really easy to reverse engineer an explanation for why a team's losing and to say there's no leaders because we're losing. Like, I, I'm not sure because I think that there can be leader, really strong leadership on really bad teams, but winning is more complex than, you know, <laughs> having all your guys pulling in the same direction at the same time. It's, it's like, do you have the dogs? Do you have the skiing? Are you prepared? Like, there's so much that goes into it. So without being a part of the team, um, even like a, an equipment manager or something like at that level – I don't know if I could say anything about the leadership inside the locker room. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's tough to, it's tough to question that. And that, I mean, it's kind of where I always go back to like, I don't know how much, maybe this is sort of like off what you said, Mike, but I don't know how much like agency this program gives to players. And maybe, maybe there is it and we don't see it. And it just seems like there is like, you know, it's, it's sort of like a, you have to answer to the top guy and do what he wants.
1: Yeah. I think that's there's kind difference. of what
2: I think I see, but I don't know that that is accurate.
1: I think there is absolutely agency given so long as it fits within the predetermined expectations of players. And that's not in and of itself unusual. Like coaches should have specific expectations, it just kind of goes back to the question we've had a few times over the last few years of, is the, is the staff out of, out of touch with current college football,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and how, how this generation of players work and lead and interact.
2: Yeah. Luke, what you said though, is, is I think spot. On. It's really hard to question. Like, it is a very complex formula, I think, to to win.
1: Yep. um, That's all the questions. I mean, we skipped a bunch, but they're all the same. Um, and I think we've touched them all. Luke, are we going to win on Saturday?
3: We're going to win, Mike. I think we're going to win.
1: Kyle, are we going to win on Saturday?
3: Yeah, I think
2: they're
1: going to win. I think they're going to win on Saturday, and I think that exactly what you predicted is going to happen. We're going to have all kinds of people, like, The demise was way overstated, and then we're going to go to Davis and get our asses
3: kicked. (laughs) I think it's going to be a great day. Like, it should be nice, I think. Um, One of those beautiful fall Saturdays in Missoula. Um, They'll have some sort of awesome thing planned pregame. The crowd's going to be loud, and the Grizz are going to win. People are going to get drunk. Everyone's going
1: to be happy. Game starts at 2. There's a parade beforehand. Brent will be at his tailgate. Anyone who wants to walk in the parade, come join. It'll be a great time. All's good. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know if I feel better or worse after this pod, but, you know, it was fun to hang out.
2: Sorry to drag you down, Mike. I'll take,
3: <laughs> I'll take blame for that.
1: It was happening either way, Kyle.
3: It feels good to talk about it.
1: And I'm glad that Andrew dropped in, too, because I feel like the former player angle and the retired journalist angle really let us hit a lot of, a lot of questions here. So.
2: All it, should right. a, it should be a well-listened-to podcast. Your guys' numbers should explode tomorrow.
1: Yeah, they usually do after big losses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anything else, guys? Not for me.
3: All right, if we know you, we'll see you soon. If not, we'll see you at the game. Go Grizz.